This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa to another episode of the Kimi Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Ilo Jabrowski, and with me this week is not Brian Com. He is on paternity leave, but instead, we've brought in a ringer. We've got a super special guest. He's the managing editor at Dauber Prospects, associate editor at Dauber Hockey, Canucks, and Elias Pettersson super fan. You guys all know who I'm talking about. It's Cam Robinson. Hey, Cam. Hey, how's it going, Elon? Thanks so much for coming back on the show, filling in. You're going to be here this week. And next week, so people are going to be in line for a lot of prospect advice. But you, you know the whole NHL, right? You don't like forget about these players once they've played a few games, right? No, that's right. The The fun thing about the, the draft eligible guys is that everybody's interested in them. As soon as they get drafted, usually it just goes to one team. But in the fancy world, we're all interested in everybody. So it's perfect. Yeah, and I've got so many players I'm going to ask you about. I'm going to try to cram in as many players as I can before you tell me you have to go and take care of your kids. I'm like the only one apparently now in fantasy hockey that doesn't have kids. That's cool. All my listeners are my kids. But Okay. Before we get started, of course, let us mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, proudly presented. And normally, I would do a whole spiel here about why DauberHockey.com is great, but I've got the associate editor right here. So, Cam, why don't you tell the listeners about DauberHockey.com? Well, it's, it's got everything you need. So the, the report generator just keeps getting better. Eric Dost, uh, he just improves it basically on a daily basis. So all your advanced stats, all your line combinations, uh, that's where I do literally all the research for all my articles and podcasts. And even if I didn't work for him, that's where I'd be going still. Um, so it's great. It's got a, a decent little podcast that gets pumped on it too every now and again. Uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great site. Yeah, check it out, DauberHockey.com. Cam, right off the bat, Ryan here in the chat room is dropping a supernova hot take. Pedersen greater than McDavid. Well, we'll talk about, I, I saved, by the way, Elias Pedersen talk to the end of the podcast, just so that you don't go on for like 30 minutes about him, and then we can't talk about the rest of the players. But uh, do you want to give us our quick uh, score out of one out of 10? How hot is that take that Pedersen's greater than McDavid? Oh, man, that's a, that's a, that's a 12 probably right there. <laughs> oh. Too hot. Too hot, Ryan. But we're, we're, it's close. I mean, I'm curious to get actually a take. Well, okay, let's talk about someone else who's super hot right now. Elias Pedersen actually hasn't been so hot, but one guy who's on fire. And how could I not start the show without talking about Patrick Laine? Oh, my God. Let like He had this stupid five-goal game yesterday in an 8-4 win over St. Louis. I was going to win Mike a couple matchup against Dave, but this five-goal game ruined me. I hated it. Every single goal that I saw him score was like a dagger into my heart. One, two, ugh, terrible. So I'm going to lose, but 
Patrick Lightning owners are very happy. And Patrick Lightning, like, what a superstar. And this is a guy who, you know, just a few weeks ago, maybe, we were talking about, oh, what's wrong with him? Why isn't he scoring? Since then, he's taken off. I've got actually uh, some fun facts I found on Reddit uh, slash r slash hockey that I thought I would share about this five-goal game. He is apparently the first 20-year-old to score five goals in a game since Wayne Gretzky. He's got actually the now the second most hat-tricks in history of any player ever before the age of 21. Seven hat-tricks. Only Wayne Gretzky has more. There's more. It's a really fun link here. Uh, but, man, Cam, like, I just want to get your take on, on Line A here because he's still really young. And I just want to know, like, what do you think his upside is? Or maybe that's even a stupid question at this point. Like, But just to re- remind everyone, he finished October with three goals and two assists in 12 games. He was playing on the third line. Things were not looking good at all. Now, as we approach the end of November, he's up to 19 goals and three assists for 22 points in 22 games. Just like that, back up to point per game, almost a goal per game. It's been a bumpy ride. But at the start of the year, Brian and I predicted that he would win the Rocket Richard Trophy. And now he's definitely right on track for that. He's also at like 90 shots, so over four shots a game. Like you're a big dynasty league guy. Everyone knows this. You like playing these leagues where you're drafting people and holding them for the whole their whole entirety of their career. If you were in a league drafting tomorrow, starting from scratch, how high do you think Liney would go? Well, you gotta think that McDavid and McKinnon are going one two if you're starting a dynasty today. Um, I think Austin Matthews might might get uh, that three hole. But the shoulder injuries are starting to concern a couple people, myself included. Uh, but just as the center ice that he, he gets kind of involved in more plays, like you see Line A is going for the Cy Young. You know, he's got 19 goals and, and what did you say, three or four assists. So um, he's not going to chip in on a ton of those. Uh, but I'd have him right in that, you know, three to five range. You've got Rantanen and Pedersen and Pasternak and guys like that kind of hanging around that top five, top seven. Um, so, he, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went two in some leagues. But what he's doing right now, it, it's just crazy. And, I was pretty choked about his five goal game last night too. Cause I was getting very close to acquiring him in my keeper league mm-hmm. had a, a tentative deal in place sort of thing. And the guy goes off and pops five last night deals off the table, obviously now. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just brutal, but you know, his metrics aren't, aren't even all that crazy. So, you know, he's clicking at 21%, which historically is very, very high. Like we, we haven't seen someone shoot over 20% since the nineties um, for a career sort of thing. Stamkos leads all active players, you know, 16 and a half sort of thing. But I, I see Patrick Liney as the most devastating one-shot finisher that we've seen in a long, long time. So Alex Ovechkin is that volume shooting guy that just pumps a ton of shots. Um, Liney's putting up a ton of shots this year, but his release is just insane. So he's a guy that I think could live in the high, high teens, low 20s for a full season, maybe even for like the peak of his career the next four, five, six years. Um, he's one of these guys that, you know, he's going to, he's on pace for 60 this year. Wouldn't surprise me if he put up 60 goals. So, uh, he's very, very dominant. I tweeted out there. The buy low window is over. Um, if you want to get him now, you're paying full, full pony. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like it slammed right in your face, that by-low period after that five-goal game. By the way, you're talking about that shooting percentage. He definitely upped it last night. That was five goals on five shots, I believe. Insane. No, that's nuts. You just don't see that kind of stuff. But he he's one of these guys. And and really, really elite goal scorers, they go, they're, you know, they're kind of up and down a little bit, but they go through stretches where they're going to score a goal a game for, you know, three weeks. And then they might go cold for four or five games. And that's just, you kind of have to live and die with that. But you don't, you just leave this guy in your lineup, especially now that he's kind of found himself a home on line two there uh, with Little and with Connor now on the, on the left side. Um, I think that's a safe spot for him to play. Uh, his five on five minutes. And then obviously on that vaunted uh, top power play. 
Yeah, so, okay, obviously we can't really advise people to do too much with Patrick Laine. Either you have him and you love it, or you don't have him and you hate yourself. But at the same time, like you said, there are a couple other players that are really benefiting from playing with this guy who's on so much fire, like Kyle Connor. He had four assists yesterday, bringing him to 24 points in 22 games. A very low key, like all of a sudden this guy's over a point per game. Kyle Connor, he was bumped from that top line with Shifley and Wheeler where he started the year, but it doesn't seem to be bothering him at all. Like, do you think that Connor can keep this up and cruise into the 70-point club, join a bunch of players? that might also join this year yeah i do for sure i i don't think he was bumped off that that top line i think he was moved down to help ignite the second line and to help uh, nikolai ehlers get a chance to get rolling up on the top line so he's kind of one of these players that you know obviously you love him when he's playing on the top line uh, uh but but he's just he kind of makes other players better he's a nice complimentary piece he doesn't drive the line really on on in either situation on one or two, but he's still on the top power play unit, had a great rookie season, kind of under the radar a little bit. Uh, but I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that this is a player that if he's healthy, he can be playing at a 70 point pace, uh, especially, you know, you, you definitely want him while uh, Patrick Line is rolling hot because he's going to get a ton of apples. Yeah, and again, Connor's also someone that's probably owned in all leagues. But okay, now here's some actually actionable advice, potentially, because Brian Little, the centerman of this great second line, he's only owned in 10% of Yahoo leagues as of yesterday. Maybe it's gone up since I started prepping for this podcast after that five-goal game. But he had four assists yesterday himself, uh, one goal and three assists in his previous four games. He's not on the top power play, but still, like, got to be worth adding while lining is so red hot, right? Yeah. So, you know, Little has long been one of these guys that I've streamed in, in different leagues. Um, you grab him when he when he's playing with line A and, and when he's rolling hot sort of thing. And he's, he's kind of a, a nice filler that can play at a 60, 65 point pace for stretches. And then he'll kind of go dormant for a little bit, too. And then he can cut him loose. So uh, now would be a great time to have him. It would have been even better if you picked him up three days ago. Um, we'll see if, if line A can keep it going here. But the Jets had a really poor schedule because they had to go over to Finland there. So they didn't, they haven't played a ton of games. Uh, so they've got a lot coming up here too. So if, uh, if they're all moving and shaking on, on in that top six and yeah, I, I don't mind grabbing little off the wire. Yeah. And keep in mind next week, four games for Winnipeg, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you could fit him in your lineup for four games, that could be a really good stream. And by the way, he's only a center. So, you know, that might be a reason to not add him. And that actually makes me wonder back when you were saying like, who are your top guys to own in a dynasty league of all the guys you mentioned, McKinnon and McDavid and Austin Matthews, they're all centers. I feel like you got to get, even if you think that Patrick Line is like 10 points worse than these other guys, you might still want to draft him higher just because he has that wing eligibility. I know in your like big league that you are dominating every year, at least. So you, your roster looks like you should be. It's only like it's just forwards are all the same, right? You don't differentiate between centers and wingers. Yeah, that's right. So if you're if you're looking at, at positional requirements up front, then absolutely, you know that that probably bumps line A to two in a league like that. I don't I don't want to hear anyone not taking McDavid first overall in the dynasty, but uh, to have that winger eligibility, you're absolutely right. It's it's huge, especially you know if you're counting shots and stuff too. Like this is a guy who just pumps shots on net. So um, yeah, he, he's right up there. Yeah, and hey, he's even I think hitting at least one hit a game, which isn't like insane, but it's not nothing. So everything he helps you everywhere. Okay, let's uh too much love on this. Let's bring the mood down. Down here because one guy who you mentioned a little bit earlier that's having a lot of trouble like Winnipeg is scoring all these goals but Nikolai Ehlers doing absolutely nothing no points yesterday in this like eight goal game which is always the most frustrating thing in fantasy right when you have a player on a team you see they scored eight goals and then you go in nothing for your guy brutal especially for someone playing on the top line with Shifley and Wheeler like what can be a better spot but yet he only has two points in his last six games 10 points in 22 games overall so less than a half point per game this guy Nikolai Ehlers he had 60 and 64 points in his last two seasons and now he's 22 years 
old and, and like we assumed he'd have room to grow going into this year because he's still aging and this is a guy with a high pedigree and instead of growing he's taken a huge step back so far do you have any idea what's going on with him should we start giving people permission to drop him in one-year leagues like we get i think questions on twitter he might be the player we get asked about the most like can i drop nikolai ehlers please i want to drop him he's doing nothing for me and i feel like for the most part i'm always saying unless you know they have amazing options available free agency i'm like no you gotta hold on he's on the top line of winnipeg he's a high pedigree guy he's gonna do well but at this point like i'm really curious to get your thoughts on him i guess both for one-year leagues and through like a dynasty lens yeah for sure so what's going on right now is you know he he's in a bit of a slump um so his his personal conversion rates down you know three percent um his five on five shooting percentage is down as well you know two and a half percent something like that um or even more from from a couple years ago he's seeing 40 seconds less of power play time so that top unit's getting a lot more time and that's always been the big thing with Ehlers is that he's a good five on five player. He's creative. He's fast. He's just, he's a, he's the king of zone entries. Like this guy just wheels through the neutral zone and sets up shop. Um, he's so, 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 you know, these micro stats guys, they love him. I love him too. Uh, I was a big fan of him. I had him in my keeper for uh, you know several years. I just dealt him for Wheeler um, in the off season. And it was a win now kind of thing where I was like, well, you know, Ehlers is great. He doesn't get that top power play unit time. So he's, he's probably never going to be an 85 point guy. I'll take the swing and grab uh, Wheeler for a couple of years here in his, the end of his prime. Um, but yeah, I didn't expect him to slide back down. I thought he'd be a 60, 65 point guy. He, he has a, a 976 PDO right now. So that's, he's getting some bad luck due for a market correction. Um, his zone starts, his IPP remain pretty consistent, even a little bit higher than his, his kind of averages. So I think the puck will start going in for him, especially if he's playing on that top line. But as long as he's on the second power play unit, he's, he's never really going to hit that elite status. You just don't see guys doing it they can't they can't uh, you know generate that much offense at five on five or in the 30 seconds of power play time they get at the end of the the penalty so um really like him think he's a dynamic player if he was in a on a different team or in a different situation i think he could be a point of game guy but uh right now he's kind of fighting it and so this could be a nice buy low opportunity for people um if you have the space to to bring him onto your team and, and put him on your bench while he's ice cold and just kind of wait for him to wake up a little bit and and play at that 60 65 point pace but again you know like you can't be buying him thinking he's going to get 75 or 80 next year because I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, that's super rare, right? For someone to not be on the top power play and get like close to a point per game. But even like 60, 65 would be like a tremendous improvement compared to what he's been doing so far. Man, you killed that tri- Cam. You like whatever you're doing, like everyone wants to be in this league, but not with you in it. They want to like take over your team. Blake Wheeler has four goals and 23 assists in 22 games. So he's destroying it makes it even more crazy how Ehlers is not getting any points while Wheeler's going nuts. But okay, I guess that's enough Jets talk. We got a lot of other players to talk about here. How about like we go to the other side of that massacre yesterday where the St. Louis Blues, who have like been massively underperforming this season, they recently fired their coach, Mike Yao. Uh, Craig Berube has taken over as the interim replacement. It's been three games now since they made that coaching change. They split decisions with Nashville, which is, I guess, pretty good. But then they had that terrible loss to Winnipeg yesterday. One big question that everyone that I saw was asking with the coaching changes, what was going to happen for the Demon on St. Louis? Because we've all been wondering, like, why is Vince Dunn on the top power play? Like, Petrangelo has been on the second power play. He's had a really slow start to the year. Could this be the thing that will trigger Petrangelo to get back on PP1, get rolling again? And then, of course, it's Colton Pareko who's been doing nothing, and I don't see that change. I'm going to be curious to see what you think about him. But like looking at Petrangelo, okay, so Vince Dunn, first of all, he's been doing nothing for a while. I feel like, I don't know, Like before we were recommending for people to grab him because he was getting some points. At this point, even on the top power play, it's hard to recommend holding someone who's only got one assist in his last 10 games. Then you have Petrangelo. He had a three- 
points in his last two games going into yesterday and like a decent number of over 50% power play games, though he hasn't like as of that last game, he wasn't on the top power play. Do you think it's time for Vince Dunn owners to give up on him and for people to start buying back in on Alex Petrangelo? Or do you think it's just going to be kind of like a bad season for all these people? Well, St. Louis is in a, a bit of a downward spiral here, obviously. But um, no, I do think Pietrangelo will get his chance. Uh, he's playing on a pretty decent second power play unit right now anyways. And that and that's kind of helping him a bit too. But Vince Dunn is an offensive player. So that's that's what he does. He's one of these guys you put on your team and you shelter him on the third pair. But then you load him up on PP1. They're trying to basically make him Shattenkirk 2.0 sort of thing. Um, and he's just not that. Uh, not at this point anyways. Um, so I do think Pietrangelo, especially with the new coach, that he'll He's the captain. He's a leader on this team. He, you know, he eats up a ton of minutes that eventually they're going to slide him back onto that unit as long as um, Dunn's not doing too much. Uh, St. Louis power play is not even all that bad this year, despite Dunn not doing anything. So, you know, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I, they're top top half of the league anyways. Um, so I, I think with Pietro, he was a clear sleeper coming into this season that he was going to drop his point totals after that big year last year. And he had triplets in the off season. And so uh, you don't have any kids, Elon. Brian's figuring it out right now that uh, you got one kid, it's, it's hard enough. You got three, I don't care if you have a nanny, you're not sleeping too much. Uh, it's an adjustment period, it's a game changer. So I think he's probably coming out of it maybe a little bit now. I'm just obviously speculating here, but um, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be sniffing around him and to see if you can get him, uh, get him on the cheap right now before he kind of wakes up for real and gets on that top unit. And you know anyone who's playing with Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko and those guys, it, it, should, it should generate offense. So the fact that Dunn isn't getting that offense, and that, that's concerning for sure for his owners. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think now's a great time to go and get Petrangelo. Like I said, like he had a one assist game and he had a one goal, one assist game. So he's been getting some points. Now he had that no point game, that terrible game against Winnipeg. So I feel like now might be your last chance maybe to go and get him for super cheap from his owners. Like, ah, I guess this, he was starting to heat up, but I guess it was just a false start. Now uh, I'm just as low on him as ever. And maybe now you can get him. Yeah, I feel like it might be just a matter of time. You got a new coach. You got to try something. St. Louis right now, they're second last in the league. I'm looking at the overall league standings. That's terrible. Do you want to guess who's last, by the way? That's the LA Kings. Yeah, brutal. Like, who would have guessed? These are two teams that we thought were going to be playoff contenders, and they've both been terrible. Meanwhile, you know who's first in the league? Uh, Toronto? Well, yeah, that wouldn't be as surprising. They're close. They were there a couple days ago, but it's the Buffalo Sabres right now. Holy smokes. Yeah, Yeah. they've got 34 points. Nashville's got 33. Uh, They're wild. I guess we can talk about this. Yeah, so far this season's been pretty topsy-turvy with goalies and even just teams in general, the good ones not doing well. Ah, It's crazy. But okay, uh, what about Colton Pareko, by the way, over on St. Louis? He's been playing big minutes at even strength. He plays shorthanded, but barely gets power play time. Only has six points in 22 games on the season at this point. He had huge hype when he broke onto the scene. I remember everyone was talking about Colton Pareko and wanting to grab him when he first joined the league. But he's like 25 now. His career high is 35 points, which he hit last year. Is this his, now his ceiling, in, in your opinion? Or do you see any path to Pareko like, getting to becoming like at least like a half-point-per-game guy? And either way, like if people are still holding him at this point in the season, are, are they snoozing big time? Do they need to let go? Yeah, they do. I, uh, I never really bought into the hype for Pareko, to be honest with you. You know, he's a big guy. He's got a big shot. Uh, he's not overly creative. Um, he, he, he's a good two way guy who can chip in with some points and he can hammer the shot on net and he can take the body. Um, he's a good player, one that you want on your team in real life, but a guy that I've never been overly interested in fantasy. Um, I think if he got dumped on a top power play and they wheeled him out there for three minutes on that unit every night that he could be a guy who could put up 40, 42 points, but I don't, I don't see him getting that deployment they don't like him in that situation he's not that creative player so you basically you're just hoping to to cue him up for one timers um so no i i think people are snoozing on him if they still got him and he's one of these guys that 
You know, if anyone's interested in still buying that hype that was around two or three years ago, go ahead and sell him for anything he can. But right now, I, I think he's more of a 30-point guy than a 40-point guy. Yeah, he's still owned in my Keeping Carlson Also Patriot Fantasy League Tier 2 division, which, which, by the way, Ken, we've been trying to get you into the cupful forever. I guess maybe with, with your kids, you don't want to join extra leagues. We got to get you in there. You got, we got to raise the spotlight of this league. Oh, man. Yeah, I got, a, I got a lot of balls in the air. It's tough to add any more. Uh, yeah, but this is the most elite league. But anyways, that's okay. I'm sure your league sounds fun, too. I guess you, you have a stranglehold on that one. It doesn't even seem like you need to make any decisions in order to win this league for the next, like, 10 years. But uh, looking at the uh, – or at least get into the playoffs. I guess in these one-week playoff matchups, anything could happen. Uh, okay, we're, we're on the blues. Let's take a quick look at the forwards. Some injury trouble there. Jaden Schwartz is out. Alex Steen is out. Poor Jaden Schwartz, by the way. Like, this guy can't put together a healthy season. Can't imagine he has a lot of value in dynasty leagues. Like, lots of upside, but he's, he gets injured all the time. Yeah, so – I didn't even like plan. There's nothing really to talk to you about. Like he, he was on the top line with Tarasenko while he was healthy. Maybe once he gets back, if you could grab him, you know, stash him in IR, then why not? He's good when he plays. But uh, yeah, nothing great. In the meantime, though, Zach Sanford was playing on the top line with Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly recently. He had a goal versus Nashville on Friday, an assist yesterday. Is there anything here? Is he worth a stream while on the top line? Like, who's this Zach Sanford guy? Yeah, I like I like Sanford. Um, you know, he, he's he's a kid who's got some good hands. He's got offensive instincts. Um, I've always got, you know, time for a young kid who's stepping in and getting good deployment. So obviously, if he's playing on that top line, he's going to get some opportunities here. He's passing the puck to, to Tarasenko and, and O'Reilly. Um, but, you know, he's, he's getting no power play time. He's not on either units. Um, so that's that's going to kind of kill his, his real fantasy value there. So uh, deployment is king. Uh, top line is great, but you know, most of the action happens on the power play anyway. So for the five on five goal scoring gets spread out a little bit, it's a little more random. Um, so until he sees some, some power play action, I'm not going to be racing to grab him. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, this is the type of guy that you grab as a stream if you want to get a few games played, and it's a deep-ish league. Next week, St. Louis plays on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So you could maybe wait till Wednesday morning, grab him for, like, three games in four days, and then drop him. There's some strategy you could do there. Good spot to be in for sure, but though no guarantee that he stays there for all three of those games. On the other end, you have Robbie Fabry, who was on that top line for a little bit, but he's been bumped to, I guess, the second line with Shen and Robert Thomas. He only has three points in 12 games. Kind of a bummer to say, because this guy's had a tough ride. And maybe he's still working out the Kings after not having played for so long, but it feels like like no one should be owning Robbie Fabry at this point, right? Until he gets going. If, yeah. If slash when. Yeah. So another another guy who just can't stay healthy, really unfortunate. So he had that high ankle sprain at the World Juniors, whatever, four years ago. I remember he was looking so strong early on in that tournament, got knocked out for the tournament, missed months of time in the OHL too. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of the, the, the string of injuries that he suffered through. Um, really skilled guy though. So like you said, it, it's going to take a few beats for him to get back up to speed after missing so much time. He's a player that I like. I like his skill set. I like the way he plays the game when he's healthy. Um, and I like that second line. So Shen, and, and I'm a big Robert Thomas fan, um, a rookie, though, who, who's still finding his way in the league. You're going to kind of get some hot streaks and some cold streaks with that one. He's on that second power play unit, like I was saying, uh, that I, I like. That's the one Pietrangelo's playing on right now. So he's one of these guys that, yeah, I definitely I wouldn't have him on my team at this moment, but he, he's a watch lister. Um, so, you know, all of a sudden you're going to see that if he's healthy, I think he, his feet are going to catch up and his hands are going to catch up. And he's he's always had that great mind for offense. He's going to start putting some points on the board. And maybe you catch him a little bit early before he, he really gets rolling. He can grab him for a stream. Um, St. Louis really needs him to be a player for them in the top six if they want to contend. Um, maybe not this year, but in, in future years as they keep moving forward there. So, uh, yeah, he's one of these guys. That I, I throw him on the watch list and I'd be checking his deployment, checking to see his power play time, seeing if he's getting shots on goal, looking for signs of life sort of thing. And then uh, if he 
puts a couple points on the board, you know, maybe grab him as a speculative ad if you got space. Okay, that makes sense. So sort of like maybe we even have to give Fabry some time. Don't write him off completely yet. He needs to maybe get 20, 25, 30 games in before we know that he's playing at his peak level. Maybe even if that, maybe he needs more. Uh, One piece of good news on St. Louis. I know we got a lot more to talk about, but I got to mention Jake Allen, who's actually been good lately, which is very surprising. Before coming in late and getting destroyed by Line yesterday, so let's not count that, Allen had put together four amazing starts in his previous five games. So I feel like he might be a good guy to grab out of free agency if he was dropped during that super cold stretch to start the season. Like, in general, Cam, like, goalies are so unpredictable this season. We've ranted about it every episode. I almost, like, don't want to talk too much about goalies, but yet still I'm going to have a bunch of goalies. I'm going to run by you hopefully quickly. Do you have any words of wisdom about what you expect from Jake Allen for the rest of the season, or are you just in the dark as the rest of us? Yeah, who, who, who knows, really. But I trust Allen about as far as I can throw him. Um, he's... He had that nice hype coming up uh, where, you know, he's the goalie of the future in St. Louis and he was going to be a player and he came in and he looked good. Um, but he's he's not so young anymore and he's had multiple seasons of, you know, subpar results, long, long stretches of, you know, putrid results. Um, and, and this season he had that to start the year too. So, you know, it's nice that he's playing well now, especially he's rewarding some of these um, teams that held on to him. Um, it's just such a crapshoot with goaltenders. So, you know, this is a team that should be playing around 500, a little bit better hockey. So if he's the starter, which he, he is, there's Chad Johnson's not going to steal that many starts and Billy Huso is not playing that great in the AHL. So, you know, as long as Allen's healthy and he doesn't drop 850 save percentages for weeks at a time, um, he's going to get the starts and there should be some value there in, in a, in a middling team starter. Um, but yeah, you're going to, you're going to eat up some losses there too. when he, you know, lets in five goals on 15 shots a couple times in, in a two week span. So uh, I don't love him, but you, you could do worse. How about that? Right. If you need a goalie, like a lot of times we get people asking us like on the Facebook group or something, you know, like, oh, I need a goalie. Like, who should I go after? Like the obvious answer, like, sure, go after Bobrovsky or whoever, you know, but like buy low on like a Jake Allen, though maybe now you can't because he's been doing kind of well lately. But I'd rather just like pay nothing, get a goalie who could potentially be good. It might be bad just because you never know with these guys. Okay, so how about we do a quick goalie roundup? I'll try to run through them as fast as we can. But obviously, there's been a lot of goalie news last week. We got to start in Pittsburgh. Matt Murray is out long term with a lower body injury. And I got to tell you, Cam, like, I feel kind of bad about it, but I own Matt Murray in the couple and I was not too disappointed to see this news. I was pretty close to dropping him with the Smith getting the majority of starts and Murray doing terribly when he did play. So like, at least now I get to stash him in IR. Maybe he takes like a long vacation as we sometimes call it on the show, you know, obviously heal, maybe get his head right. Maybe he'll come back and be awesome for me in time for my fantasy hockey playoffs or like whatever in a couple of months. I, I don't care. Take your time, Matt Murray. You weren't helping me anyways. But in the meantime, we've got Casey DeSmith, who's continued his impressive season yesterday. He stopped 37 of 39 in a 4-2 win over Columbus. DeSmith is up to a 9.27 save percentage on the season overall in 14 games. So he's doing really well. And then Tristan Jari was called up after the Murray injury announcement. And he was great in his first game as well in a 2-1 overtime loss to Boston on Friday. He stopped 35 of 37. Do we have a situation here where it's like DeSmith, the for sure starter, since he was the guy in the NHL and now like Jari's coming up to be the backup? Or do you see this now being a situation where the two are going to compete for starts? Like we didn't even know who was going to be the backup at training camp, right? Like it was DeSmith who won the job over Jari. Uh, but I'm really interested to get your take on this. We had patron Brad right in the Facebook group. Like he wrote like DeSmith with a heart under the post about how Matt Murray got injured. And I sort of threw up there, like, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but maybe like this is worse for Casey DeSmith to have Jari there because Matt Murray was being terrible. And Tristan Jari is someone who maybe the Penguins want to take a look at. So how do you see this situation working out in the short term? Yeah. So first of all, with Matt Murray, you know, I, I think he's going to get some more opportunities when he does get healthy. Uh, Pittsburgh made a big commitment with him when they let Fleury go to Vegas in the expansion draft. Um, he won him a cup. You know, he put up elite numbers doing so. 
And so if you're young and you win a team of cup and you put up, you know, staggering results, you're going to get a lot of opportunities. And, and, you know, we saw it with Cam Horton, Carolina, he got a decade's worth. Um, I joked around with, with uh, you guys on Twitter there saying that, you know, maybe he's the next Cam Ward. I'm not going to say that yet, but uh, I know I was big on Murray. I was, I was hyping this kid up. You know, he, he was kind of exploded in his development and he looked like the real deal. I did talk to some goalie experts even a year ago that he, he was still putting up okay numbers and they just didn't like what they saw. So something with his mechanics. He just, he doesn't control his rebound so well um, that they were saying, you know, the, the slide is coming in. And this is a guy that his last 72 games, he has a 905 save percentage. Um, that's really bad. That's below league average. Um, you know, he's putting up quality starts 40% of the time. So, so Murray, he's a slippery slope. So people are looking at maybe buy low on this guy when he comes back, he'll be playing on Pittsburgh. They should be challenging for a division title. Um, that's a good win. Like, I've even considered it myself, but I think there's probably some safer options out there. Um, when you're looking at DeSmith, he won that job in camp as the backup. He stole the starting job from Murray. So I think he's going to get um, he's going to get the line share of the starts unless he kind of drops the ball and does it on a consistent basis for a few games. Um, because I, I like Jari. I think he's a really nice goaltending prospect who, who's right on the precipice of being an NHLer. Um, so if he can if he can jump in there and win a couple starts in a row, I think he can win the confidence and the pendulum can swing into his side. So, you know, if DeSmith is sitting out there, you grab him and you hope you get yourself a free uh, starter on a good team for a little while here. Uh, but, you know, you got to be wary that, that Jari could be coming at any moment. Um, so uh, again, crapshoot net, but you know, ride the hot hand while you can. Yeah, and it seems like this Pittsburgh team is a whole different team. Lewis is saying here in the chat room, like a whole different team now that Sidney Crosby is back in the fold. This is a team that could win some games. So you, once again, do want to have that Pittsburgh starting goalie. And maybe there is not one. Maybe, like, it does seem like the type of situation where why not go back and forth? Like, why ride DeSmith into the ground? It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. But I agree with you. Obviously, it's DeSmith's ball right now. Maybe, like, more of a 1A, 1B situation in the worst case. Unfortunately, they got Crosby back. But some injury news. Patrick Hornfist has a concussion, which is a huge bummer. He had been doing great over the past while, getting back into the top six recently playing with the recently outjured Sidney Crosby on the top line though of course Patrick Hornquist's loss is going to be someone's gain as someone gets to get on that top power play and it has of course been Jake Gensel and he has definitely taken advantage actually yesterday he had a hat trick none of those goals were on the power play which just go- and he also plays by the way on the top line with Crosby and it's been Dominic Simone playing in that other spot so Gensel's right now in an amazing spot top line top power play with that hat trick yesterday that brought him to 18 points in 22 games which is a 67 point pace i remember cam you were like the big gensel booster a couple years ago you may even be the person who introduced him to us on the facebook group before he even played a game you were saying everyone watch out for this gensel guy he's gonna get called up at some point he's gonna be amazing and you totally called it then you know last year i guess a bit of a disappointment compared to the hype and then this year it didn't start that great but right now like i would tell everybody he must be owned and i'm really i actually have him the couple and i'm very happy and i I don't even know what advice i could give but if he's somehow available people have to run and grab him right yeah for sure um i love jake gensel so one of my favorite kind of finds uh this is a kid who who put up great numbers at the university level stepped into the ahl the closing of his uh one of his seasons there and put up you know great numbers in a playoff run in, in the american league uh, went back to the American League and was just putting up a ton of points, a ton of goals, just lighting it up. And it, you could just see the path, just heading up. A great winger to go play with Crosby or Malkin, like sign me up. Um, so what has held him back, uh, the same thing that's held Ehlers back, is that he didn't get consistent time on the top power play. Now, Ehlers never gets power play one time, but Gensel would kind of be on and off a bit, um, especially with Hornquist. The guy's injured, you know, a quarter of the time uh, usually anyway. So, so that net front job opens up. Um, but no, for, for, 
for him to play with Crosby in all situations, that's, that's terrific, right? So you can't ask for much better than that. The kid's got a terrific release. Um, it's not the heaviest shot. Um, it, it gets off the stick quick and it's very, very accurate. So he's going to score a lot of goals, uh, that feed from Crosby last night, that backhand, like no look pass right on his stick and in the back of the net. So you're going to see a lot more of that at five on five. I think he can play at a 70 point pace when he's on that top unit. And then when he's not, you know, you're looking more at that 60, you know, 55, 60 point pace. So, uh, I just wish that, you know, Hornquist, when he comes back, just slide him on the second unit, keep Gensel up on that top one. Like if it's, if it's not broken, you know, don't try to fix it. Uh, mm-hmm. and also that I have a bias towards young players in fancy hockey. So I want to see them succeed rather than someone who's 33, like Hornquist. Yeah. I'm sure all the Hornquist owners right now are like, Cam, shut up. <laughs> they don't want to, it depends who you have. That's who you're cheering for. But right now you throw Hornquist on your IR and you, if you can get Gensel, obviously that's amazing. He's really good. And you know, obviously the big benefit of having Gensel is he's playing with Crosby. Like you say, and how amazing is this guy, Sidney Crosby, 31 years old, like not slowing down at all. He's like nine goals and 15 assists in 19 games. So in line for another amazing season. One day though, it's going to happen where you're not going to be able to go out and see Sidney Crosby live. It's so sad, but you still can now. And that's why I want to quickly segue to our sponsor for this week's episode, The Way to Go and See Sydney Crosby, which are from our friends over at SeatGeek, because SeatGeek is the best place to buy tickets online. How'd you like that, Cam? This is a... Uh, ridiculous what I'm doing here. I'm trying my best. <laughs> okay, uh, getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person to see Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin before it's too late. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. You could sort your tickets by value. You could even just, it's really fun to just go onto the SeatGeek app and see just like what's going around in your city. Like I'm actually actually going to be going to New York over the Christmas New Year's time. Actually, some of the patrons are going to be getting together. So if you uh, get if you haven't seen, check out the Facebook group, uh, the events page. We're going to have a patron meetup on the 27th. But now I'm looking on seeking of what else is going on in New York on the 27th. There's the Blue Jackets Rangers game. Maybe we could go to that game. Kind of an expensive ticket, 185 but I'll bet you it's a lot more if you try to buy it. It's probably like sold out, but you get a ticket there on seeking Apparently, WWE is going to be there. Of course, the most expensive ticket that I'm seeing in New York. Want to take a guess, uh, Cam? What's the 700 plus dollar ticket if you want to go to see it in new york off of SeatGeek. oh man i have no idea it's hamilton oh the, the critically acclaimed musical so i think it's sold out forever but somehow you could even get a ticket to that on SeatGeek. and if you don't want to pay 700 but you're okay with paying 680 you actually could get 20 dollars off by being a listener to this podcast you just have to enter the promo code keeping at checkout and if it's your first purchase on SeatGeek, you get 20 dollars off so how about that check it out SeatGeek. Uh, their slogan is some Brian usually says this at the end. What is it? We have you want life's an event, we have the tickets. There, there it is. Okay, let's get back to the players here. I want to go to some more goalies that are either injured or outjured or something's going on with them. And we got to go to Ben Bishop over on Dallas. He's got a lower body injury, could be short term, maybe only a week. But I just want to remind people that I was worried about it. Brian's been here in the chat room by the way, by the way, for a little bit. I wonder if he's still here because I was saying when we did our almanac over the summer that I feel like Ben Bishop is a bit injury prone. I'd be a little nervous about drafting him. And Brian, like, really poo-pooed me he threw annoying like numbers at me showing that Vin Bishop hasn't been that injury prone so obviously he was right but at the same time I don't know something worried me here you go he's injured now hopefully he'll be fine he's a big guy I don't know like I feel eh, whatever anyways 
Anton Hudobin had a brutal game versus the Pens on Wednesday. Wasn't much better in the 6-4 win over Ottawa on Friday, but he still got the next start versus Colorado yesterday, and he was solid. He stopped 33 of 36, so can't blame him for that loss. Uh, Hudobin was already getting a good number of starts, even with Bishop healthy. It seemed like Dallas was trying to give Bishop a lot of rest. So to me, like Hudobin was already like a decent goalie to own if you want to get starts, and all the starters are already owned. But now with Bishop out, maybe a bit injury-prone, seems like he might be a good guy to hold on to. Like, What do you think about Anton Hudobin at this point? Yeah, he's he's not bad. He had a 9.25 save percentage before Bishop went down. So like you said, he was a quality backup to have. He was playing a few more starts than the regular backup would. Um uh, yeah, you know, I I'm not going to trust him long term, but for a while Bishop's out, um he he's going to get the starts and you know, he's going to have a couple of stinkers and he's probably going to have a couple good games. So that's basically what you're looking at when you have him. So you know, he stole some starts in Boston last year from Tuba Rask. And uh, we thought that was special, but you're seeing Yarrow Halak do it again this year, so maybe that's on Rask. Um, but, you know, Bishop is a big guy, and he's not young, so injuries tend to happen at goaltenders when they're in their 30s, and, and they're, you know, these big guys tend to have knee and hip issues at times. Um, so, yeah, yeah he, he's someone that, you know, you, you grab as a third or a fourth netminder on your team, and if, if uh, Bishop's out, then you're comfortable rolling him out, as Dallas is a pretty decent team. So, yeah, I, I'm all right with Hudobin. Okay, well, how about this? Let's keep Hudobin on our minds and then later i'm going to ask you about the florida situation and then i'll ask you to compare hudobin to reimer but let's let's wait on that for now because while we're on dallas uh so klingberg has been out and brian and i kind of blew because we were like saying miro haskinen is the f- sure thing to run the power play in his absence he was already on the top power play before klingberg got injured and then haskinen was there for a few games but then he got bumped for Lindell, who and then we said i think it was on last week's show okay everyone go and grab Lindell while he's on the top power play because that's a really great top power play to be running on dallas right with ben and sagan and, and radulov and Jason Spezza, but uh, anyone who grabbed Lindell was probably disappointed because he was even bumped. Now there's a new guy who seems to be getting a shot. His name is Gavin Bayruther, who I've never heard of. He's had no points and no shots yesterday, so hard to imagine that this will last. Maybe it goes back to Lindell. Maybe it goes back to Miro Haskinen. Patron Chris asked me to ask you what you think about this Dallas power play revolving door situation for the QB. Are any of these guys like worth owning? Like obviously you're going to say that Miro Haskinen is worth owning in a dynasty league. He's going to be great for years to come. But like for this year, for this situation, if all three of these guys are in free agency, do you rush to grab any of them for until Klingberg returns? Or at this point, do you think it's like basically like roll, spinning a roulette wheel? You don't even know which one's going to be there. I mean, they don't ask me for, for deployment in Dallas, which they probably should. Cause I would say Miro Haskinen should be on that top unit. The guy's a stud. I don't care that he's 19 years old. When you say, you know, quarterbacking that top power play in Dallas is is a great spot. And you're absolutely right. And that's what John Klingberg does. He quarterbacks that power play. Like he is involved. He is a linchpin on that unit. Essa Lindell, when he's on that top unit, is not quarterbacking it. He's not a linchpin. He's just out there and he's got a decent shot and he's okay to handle the puck. Um, but he's not doing the things that Klingberg could do. Uh, Haskinen can do the things that Klingberg can do. He's just young. So he's going to make some mistakes. Um, maybe he's not as confident to pull off some of the, the, the moves that Klingberg does, but he's near that level um, already at his age. Like he is an amazing player. So watching him in Finland last year, last two years, um, he was the best defenseman in Europe for my money last season. And that's over Rasmus Dahlin, um, who was the second best. And these are two sub 20 year old kids. Um, so he's a, a very, very strong talent. I would have him on that top unit um, while Klingberg's out. While Klingberg's around though, I'd have him on that top unit until he stops producing, which is probably uh, years away. So, you know, the other guy is Julius Honka, who has a lot of skills. He's a, a right shot guy, lots of lots of opportunities um, the last few years to kind of get sniffs on power play and, and he gets sheltered at five on five and he just hasn't been able to run with it. So um, you just pull a name out of the hat. 
Uh, Bay Rother isn't a long-term option there though. You know, he's a decent college player and he had a nice start in Texas in the AHL, but, but I don't, I don't see him sticking there too long, but yeah, I, I really, I don't have too much insight on what they're going to do there. I think you see a guy who gets on that unit and the unit scores a few goals, then he's probably going to be on it again the next game and, until they don't. So. Yeah, and, and it's still going to be a little while until Klingberg comes back from his hand injury. So hopefully it'll be soon and we won't have to worry about it. In the meantime, if you want to try to stream one of these Dallas guys, it seems like you're into Haskinen being the one who maybe has the highest upside if and when he is there. But anyone could get points running that top power play just because of the other guys who are going to be on the ice with him. Uh, so I did mention Florida. So let's go to them. Roberto Luongo's hurt again. He aggravated the same knee injury that cost him time earlier in the season. Uh, apparently he's just day to day, so he might not be gone for too long. Luongo's been kind of frustrating, right? He got injured in the first game of the year, and then you know you probably threw him in your IR. Then he came back, and he was great in his first few games. You probably thought, ah, I was such a genius for drafting Luongo. Worth the wait. Uh, but then he's been terrible lately, so he was great. Now he's bad. Now he's injured again. So a really frustrating time to be owning Roberto Luongo. James Reimer was absolutely terrible while Luongo was out, but had been doing okay in his appearances lately. I actually streamed him in the couple for his game versus Chicago yesterday, and things were looking really good. It was 4-2 for Florida in the third, and then the Hawks stormed back for the 5-4 win. James Reimer did a really great James Reimer impression at the end of that game. Like Hard to imagine that we can tell people to grab Reimer, especially with the news that Luongo's not going to be out long. At the same time, like if you had to choose right now, you need a goalie on your team, and the best two out there are Reimer and Anton Hudobin. Who would you be reaching for? Hudobin, probably. Um, Reimer's pretty meh, um, but someone has to play in Florida when Luongo's out, and um, I, I think Reimer can be a league average guy or maybe just slightly below for, for stretches of time. Um, you know, they gave him a five-year contract, so they're not really probably getting rid of him anytime soon. Um, I feel really bad for Luongo. Just like, yeah, I love that guy, obviously, being a Canuck fan and, and seeing what happened to him here and him kind of grow into the personality that we all know and love today that this guy's a Hall of Famer and he wants to play to the end of his contract and he just keeps getting injured. And that's really kind of that's going to be difficult for him to do. And, and folks in Vancouver know all about the cap recapture penalty that if he does retire early, that's coming off their cap for a, a big chunk. So um, something to watch for them. But yeah, I, I'd probably go Hudobin, um, I guess, uh, if you make me choose, uh, just because he has had a little more success this season and last season, too, in Boston. He, he was pretty strong, too. So I'll, I'll give the edge there. Okay, yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, hard to like Reimer. Also really hard to like another former Canuck because you were saying how much you loved Luongo. What are your thoughts on Corey Schneider right now? He is getting destroyed this year. In fact, today it is still in the first period, Tampa versus New Jersey, and Tampa's up four to one. Schneider's only stopped four, or no, he stopped five of nine shots. Just having a terrible, terrible game. Like This guy's probably going to get waived at some point. This guy's bad. I actually made a fan duel lineup just to stack Tampa players when I saw that Schneider was announced. I didn't even have him lined up to talk about on the but do you have the same warm feelings about Schneider as you do about Luongo? I, I liked Corey Schneider too. You know, he was one of these guys that I tracked as his development coming out of Boston College and just just kind of the perfect development model for a goaltender. Dominate the, the NCAA, move up to the AHL, kind of get your feet wet, dominate the AHL, move up to the NHL, get your feet wet, and so on. And he was. He was a dominant goalie in the NHL too. He's putting up, you know, 920-plus save percentages um, through for consistent years. Um, at the time, that the, the Canucks traded him there too, and – Everybody was kind of waiting for, for Gary Bettman to finish his sentence when he said Corey Schneider to the Devils for ninth overall. And I'm waiting. And, but you know, you make that trade today, Bo Horvath, for Corey Schneider, you, you do that 10 times out of 10. Um, so, so Mike Gills must have known what he's doing a little bit there too. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough for Schneider. The injuries obviously have slowed him down a little bit. He's got to be 32, 33 now. 
Um, so age has caught up to Keith Kincaid's a bit better than him. So I, it's tough to watch him kind of decompose so quickly here right in front of us. But it is what it is. When a netminder loses it, you get exposed quickly. Man, yeah, that is a sad word to use, but accurate, decompose. Yeah, and obviously it gets especially exposed when you're playing against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Braden Point, by the way, one goal and assist. Um, I have him in the cacuffle. I should be celebrating, but of course I have no chance to win this week because my opponent had stupid Patrick Laine, who gave him like a quarter of his points on the week. So I, let's not move on. Let's not talk about that. Uh, let's, let's, yes, move on. There's actually a bigger injury in Florida to discuss this very scary leg injury that Vincent Trocek suffered on Monday. He had surgery on Wednesday to repair an ankle fracture. He's going to be out a long while. Hopefully, I, I heard that they're saying he might come back before the end of the season, but it's going to be a long time. Maybe he won't even come back this season. Maybe it depends how Florida's doing at the time. In his absence, anyways, we've got to move on. Obviously, really bad for Trocek. Also, he's really come on as like a, a stud, especially in multi-category leagues. Tough for his owners, obviously tough for him. Just a really sad situation. You never want to see someone get hurt like that. Uh, but of course, we have to look at the fantasy impact here. And in his absence, it looks like Nick Bjorkstad was centering the second line yesterday with Vitrano and Huberdeau on his wings. Jonathan Huberdeau, by the way, has been great this season and even had two assists yesterday on the second line, bringing him to 19 points in 21 games overall. But I got to tell you, I'd still be concerned if I was his owner in fantasy, if this is going to be his deployment for the rest of the season, playing with Bjorkstad and Vitrano, do you think people should be worried like me and maybe try to sell high? Like, I feel like you're not going to get like a better return for Huberdeau as you'd get right now with him almost at a point per game. Or do you think that even like he'll be fine? He's Jonathan Huberdeau. He's still on the top power play. He'll be good no matter what. Well, I like him that he's still in the top power play. So that's going to feed him some points. So the guy's on pace for 35 power play points this year, which would be awesome. That's, you know, top five most seasons that might lead the league some years. The scoring's up these days, so it probably wouldn't this year. But um, I expect those power play points to slowly dry up a little bit too, so that that, that top unit, it's deadly. Um, so maybe it doesn't, maybe I'm wrong, but I could see him landing more in the 27, 28, maybe 30 power play points. Um, and then, you know, Bukestad is a, is a significant downgrade on Trocek. Um, so his five on five production is likely to drive a bit too. Um, so right now he's playing at near a point per game pace. I would definitely be sniffing out the market and see if you could get a guy who's maybe playing a little bit below that, but you can see his, his, his arc going up a little bit for the season has better line mates at, at five on five and maybe on an equally or, or close to his good power play. I don't have any examples off the top of my head, unfortunately for you, but. Um, yeah, I, I, losing Vincent Trocek is going to be very, very painful for Florida in real life. And for, for those who play around him in the, in the fantasy landscape, um, it opened up a top power play spot. Mike Hoffman's playing on the, on the, on the point now there, uh, they moved the bumper spot around and, uh, you know, Hoffman playing on line one and power play one, he, he's in a great spot. And so kind of started the season in Florida on the fourth line. People were thinking he was going to be left for dead if all the drama that happened in Ottawa. And, you know, it's a guy he showed up and he, he's putting the puck on net and he's getting points. And so he's, he's someone to watch too, for sure. Yeah, I, I already ranted about him last week about how amazing he's doing and how like how did Ottawa and then San Jose give up Hoffman for so little? It's ridiculous. This guy like probably was drafted in fantasy like pretty late, especially because we didn't know if he was going to be able to get onto that top power play. So he's been a huge steal, maybe an MVP for teams in terms of value so far. Yeah, he's been awesome. And hey, watch out for Nick Bjugstad. I know obviously, like you say, he's a lot worse than Trocek, but still, if he's playing on the second line, he's going to be maybe getting more minutes. Like he started the season on line one, then he got bumped to the third line and it was looking like, okay, I guess it's time for everyone to forget about Bjugstad, but now he's going to be on the second line. So if you're in a super deep, deep league, like there's worse guys to own that, hey, Florida plays Monday, Wednesday next week. So you could always try him out for a couple of games and then drop if you need to okay i guess we're still on goalies i still have some more i want to bring up to you so philly 
just a terrible situation. <laughs> like Alex Lyon is now injured. So you add him to the list with Elliot and Neuverth. Like everyone's basically hurt on Philly. So the current pair of goalies they have are Calvin Pickard and Anthony Stolars. I don't even want to like, I don't even really want to talk about Pickard and Stolars. Like they're probably not great. Like you could play Pickard or whoever at your own risk. Pickard shut out the Rangers on Friday. So that was good. Then he got destroyed by the Leafs yesterday. I feel like that's what you're going to be expecting moving forward. Except maybe fewer shutouts, but like every once in a while he'll have a good game. Of course I did hear that Neuverth could be back soon, but let's be reasonable here. Like he's probably going to be back for a period and then get injured again. So you don't want to be pinning any hopes on him. Uh, and since you're the prospect expert, I'd be love to know what's your take on Carter Hart. Is he because I feel like everyone talks about him as like one of the top goalie prospects out there. Do you think that he could potentially get called up this season as a savior because no one on the Flyers could stay healthy and play well? He could. He they could call him up because it, it's just so tragic there. But I absolutely would not. Um, so I took a lot of heat in the in the summer here as as Philly fans and and. Fantasy people were just kind of piling on, like, give Carter Hart the starting job in Philadelphia right now. You know, he was amazing in Everett for his whole WHL career. Great for Team Canada. You know, put up otherworldly numbers in the dub. Um, and that's great. He's a really nice prospect. I have him, you know, top five goalie prospect for fantasy. Top five goalie prospect in the world. You know, arguably top three. Um, but he's 20. There's a there's a real reason you don't see 20-year-old starters in the NHL too often. You know, what's the last one? Uh, Steve Mason, and where's he playing right now? So he, he's not even in the league anymore. Marc-Andre Fleury, first overall pick, Luongo, guys like that. So very, very rare, and more rare as we're getting further away from those those first overall picks as tendies. Um, so I really like Carter Hart, but the guy's playing in the NHL right now, and he's got an 884 save percentage in 12 games. So that does not scream that he's ready to step up into that porous Philly defense and, and be a savior for this team. What it would be is that they they lose more games. He's going to make some stops. He's going to let in some goals. His confidence is going to get shook a little bit more than it probably already is, you know, e- eating up an 884 in the AHL already. Um, so why risk it? This kid, if you develop him properly, could be a stud. Um, I would leave him in the American League despite what happens unless everybody's injured and you have to call him up. Um, and you can't pick up any on, on, on waivers. Um, I'd leave him down there for next season too, until he was doing what Corey Schneider was doing and dominating the AHL. Leave him down there, bring him up when he's 22, and you got yourself a, a really nice starting goaltender if everything goes right. Um, so that would be my plan with him. Okay, well, so we'll have to see if that's Philly's plan. It seems like they should do that, especially since you say he's not even playing well right now in the minors. So what's the point of bringing him up? These goalies on Philly are getting embarrassed, especially when they're playing a team like the Leafs, like they were yesterday. So I don't know, no advice here like that I can even think of. If you want to stream a Flyers goalie that's healthy, do so at your own risk. We do not condone starting Flyers goalies if you have a safe percentage or goals against average to be worried about. But since we're on Philly, I've got three slumping players I want to run by you. So skaters now and get your take on if you think the sadness will continue or if maybe some good times are ahead. Patron Jade, also one of the members of Average Time on Ice, one of my new favorite Twitter accounts and blogs. Uh, so she asked us to talk about Jacob Voracek. She put a sad face emoji beside his name, telling me exactly what she wanted me to ask. Obviously, the dude is pointless in five games now. Was actually at a near point per game pace before this cold stretch, but he also actually has only one shot on goal in three of these last five games. So kind of concerning, maybe. Like, are you worried about Voracek or do you think this is just a little blip? Um, I'm a little bit concerned with Voracek. Um, so, you know, he's, he's never been a huge shooter, but you know, he usually hangs around three a game and now he's hanging around two that, you know, that's going to cause a little bump down. Um, last season he played about 40% of his even strength time through this year. It's about half of that so far. Um, you know, he's, he's playing on a line with, with, uh, Nolan Patrick, who's also kind of cold. Um, he's, he's not 
uh, getting top power play all the time too. So, you know, it, it's tough. He kind of goes back and forth between a point of game season and a 60 point pace. And so for the last five or six years, he's literally done that. So he's, you know, played at 65 points, played at 85 points, played at 60 points, played at 80 points. Um, and right now he's running on one of these seasons where he's probably going to play at a 65-point pace for, for the majority of the season. I think he can have stretches where he's going to be a PPG guy and then another stretch like we're in right now where he's going to be ice cold. So uh, if you're hoping that he's going to rebound and really fly up the rankings and end up with 75, 80 points, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Um, I think he's a he's a safe player that when that top power play unit and he's on it is rolling, he's going to get some points. Um, and if he gets bumped up and he gets played with Giroux, that's going to be great too. But that second line isn't my favorite. And unfortunately, I've got him in, in my league too. And he's riding the bench. And when he gets in there, he's, he's not helping me too much. So, um, yeah, you know, you can't do much with him right now. You're not going to be able to trade him for anything. His value is going to be low. Uh, so you just kind of sit and wait. And if he gets hot and, and you think you can get something for him, flip him or just ride him and, and kind of treat him like the stock market. You know, get him in there when he's moving and pull him out when he's not. Right. So you're not saying that it's like time to consider dropping him or anything. Like he's cold now. He'll get hot again at some point soon. It's like, I mean, like I said, he was doing so well before this recent stretch. So you got to imagine it's going to happen again. Obviously, there's a few people on Philly that are struggling right now, including Voracek's line mate, 2017 second overall pick, Nolan Patrick, who's playing with Voracek, but he's actually pointless in six games. And he had a really strong second half last season. And then that finally a healthy summer for him where he's able to train like we thought he normally would and i'm brian and i both thought that nolan patrick could be a really good sleeper coming into this year not looking great right now do you think that patrick will bounce back or is it time for him to get dropped in one-year leagues yeah i could probably see him getting dropped in one-year leagues he's he's young and he was drafted second overall so keeper league guys probably are going to be more interested in holding on to him he's one of these guys that i you know despite his lofty draft slot i didn't project him to have a really high ceiling i thought that if things broke right for him he'd be a really really good second line center that could put up 60 65 points and that's very valuable in real life not so much in fantasy um i likened him to bo horvat um and but horvat has taken massive strides every single year uh where patrick you know he peaked at like 16 17 in the whl when he put up 102 points or whatever it was on a great brandon team and he's kind of just been either sitting where he was and he's had a couple of bring-ups, but he's, it hasn't been a a, a really strong trajectory for him. So um, he's off that top power play unit too. Uh, Not a great spot at the moment playing with a cold Voracek. So I got no problem dropping him to the wire. And if he sits there for a bit, pick him up if he wakes up. And if not, then, you know, that's okay too. Yeah, exactly. Like like you said, like you were comparing it to Bo Horvat, but Bo Horvat gets that top power play. Unlike Nolan Patrick's that's obviously a huge difference and last year Patrick got on the top power play when Simmons got injured but now he's got a two two players in his way because there's JVR there as well so it's not looking like he's going to be getting on that top power play anytime soon then the third player I wanted to bring up is Ivan Provorov who's pointless in six and only has seven points in 23 games overall on the season last year Provorov had 41 points to go along with all the peripherals that everybody loves about him currently he's only on pace for 25 points so like peripherals schmeripherals if you're not getting points there's a bunch of guys who get hits and blocks and no points is Provorov just one of them or do you think he can get back on track get back to his 41 point pace that he had last year yeah I, I think he can push for 40 points that he he's another player you know very Miro Heiskanen like where he's he's tremendous real life player um you throw him on a top power play unit and let him run wild I think I think he can put up 50 55 points but He's probably not going to bump Ghost off that off that top unit and decrease uh, Goss's Bears' value to the team. So it's kind of this this he's stuck in the middle a little bit. And right now he's not 
really pushing the needle to, to get that opportunity, even though Ghost is cold right now. So this is probably his best chance that if he was running hot, he might get a look on that top unit, but um, it's not happening right now. So yeah, I think he can play at a 40 point pace, you know, just by putting up strong, even strength numbers, but Philly's not playing too well. They're not putting up points. Last year, um, a lot of guys were getting a lot of unsustainable shooting percentages. Drew had the career year. Uh, a lot of things went right for them, um, and that helped him push his his five-on-five numbers. Uh, so, you know, you're probably looking at a guy who's going to play at more of a 30, 35-point pace the rest of the way, and that's going to be where he lives at until he gets top power play unit deployment. Um, side note for, for, you know, with Ghost is that, you know, they, their, their power play is better than this and he can be better than this too. And, and uh, so he'd be another good buy low opportunity. I think I, I'd take a swing on him if you can get him for, you know, somewhat cheap. Yeah, definitely. With Ghostberg going into the season, everyone saw him as like a potential 70 point guy. It hasn't been great so far, but I agree with you. You got to imagine this Philly power play and, and everything is going to bounce back a little bit. I don't know if they're going to get wins. I wonder if like they have to play more conservatively because they can't depend on their goalie. I feel like I've heard this theory before where if you know that there's a good chance that anytime you let in a scoring chance, your team is likely to let it in because the goalie sucks, then you can't play as aggressively. But, I mean, at the same time, Claude Giroux and Voracek, these guys have been getting points for years after year, and it's been a long time since they've had a goalie they could rely on. I guess Steve Mason, what, like three, four years ago now? So, I don't know. It's tough, but I agree with you to maybe go for Ghost Bear. And, and as far as Provorov goes, we actually had an interesting question on our Facebook group wondering if the, the, the owner should drop Provorov for, I think it was Sammy Batnin, who's also on the second power play in New Jersey, but he has been actually producing and Provorov has not. And I was thinking, like, wow, it's surprising. But at this point, I feel like it's pretty close. So, I don't know. I'm not super high on Provorov right now. But uh, I feel like I'd still hold him. I don't know. I feel like so. What do you think about Vatnin versus Provorov? Is it just a kind of a coin flip? Yeah, I'm probably taking the guy who's playing the more power play minutes. And so if that's Sammy Vatnin, then that's who I would want. And he's always been an offensive guy. He put up huge numbers in Finland. And he was always supposed to be the guy in Anaheim. And, you know, he just, he would always be hurt. But he put up 39 points in 65 games or whatever it was. Just to kind of never break that 40-point plateau. But he'd always tease you with it. Um, so, yeah, I'm picking the guy who's ever getting more power play time. Um, and as far as, you know, having a weak netminder um, and that kind of affecting the way teams play, I think you're right. It can go one of two ways. They can either clamp down and play a little bit more of a trap because they don't trust their goaltender or they say, you know, screw it. We got to score four if we want to win this thing on any given night, maybe five. So let's just open it up and let's wheel. And so I think that was happening a little more last season. And this year it's maybe not happening as much, but um, uh, you know, everybody hopes that they just open it up and play fire wagon hockey and let's see what we can, they can do, but we'll see if that happens. Yeah. That'd be more fun to watch. Yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you could also call that the Ottawa senators approach from this year for sure. They're scoring a lot of goals and letting in a ton of goals. I think I have them lined up to talk about this week, uh, but we're not on them now. Cause I'm still, I'm on some goalies. So Petr Morazic is back for Carolina. He is not uh, injured anymore, but he hasn't played yet. He backed up Scott Darling yesterday. He got to have a front row seat to watch Scott Darling put up another terrible start in a 4-1 loss to the Islanders. Darling now is up to an 892 save percentage in seven games. Meanwhile, actually, Curtis McElhaney has been amazing in his last three games. He led in only four goals total over his last three games. He's up to a 919 save percentage on the season. So it's like, like now Morazic is back. He's going to try to improve on his 880 save percentage that he has so far. Uh, McElhaney's been good. Darling's been terrible. Like, I'm really curious to get your thoughts on how you think this whole situation is going to shake out. Like, which goalie would you even want out of these three if you could only have one? Like, Carolina could be a good team if they could get some goals. And we've been saying this forever, but who knows which of these goalies can run with it right now? Like, crazy as it is, it kind of looks like it's McElhaney. Like, is it possible Scott Darling could get waived? Like, do do any of these guys get waived? They can't waive McElhaney now, right? No, uh, they they can't. Well, they they can waive him, but. Toronto will get first pick on him again. 
I believe that's where he was with last, yeah. Um, so if they do waive him, they'll get first crack to, to take him. And then if nobody else puts a waiver claim in, then he can go straight to the AHL. But um, yeah. Well, yeah, I meant more not like they can't waive him like legally. I meant like, how can you waive the only goalie that's playing well for you? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, but they might, they might do that because Mac is a career backup and he's, you know, in his 30s and he, he's just not someone that you're going to be trusting long term with your franchise. But my goodness, like if it was me, he's the guy I'm starting right now. So he, he played well in Toronto. Um, he, he's played well in Carolina, as you said, you know, close to a 920 save percentage. Um, Darling has been dreadful now for the second year of being terrible. Um, he was good on a Chicago team as a backup in limited deployment. Um, he was running a hot streak and he got himself that contract. So yeah, you know, if, if Carolina waived him, I don't know. I doubt anyone picks him up with that contract. I would be very surprised if anyone picked him up. Um, so, you know, maybe he needs that wake-up call. Maybe he needs to go to the minors and, and work some stuff out. Um, Peter Morazic is a little bit younger. He had the great pedigree. He was one of those guys that I thought I, I sniffed out another diamond in the rough. Um, I loved him in the Detroit system. I thought he was going to be a real player for them and, and going to be the goal of the future. And the wheels kind of fell off the last couple seasons. And as you see, he's, he's bounced around a few different uh, organizations and he hasn't really hasn't really put it together. Um, but I think Carolina maybe has a little more time for him because he is a bit younger and maybe he could be the guy. I'm not believing it anymore. Right now, it's it's heartbreaking to watch because, as you said, Carolina could be a good team. You throw a solid veteran netminder or a good up-and-coming guy like Andy Ranta they could have gone after. Um, and I love it. That's I'd be all over grabbing someone like that. So if they ever do make a move for a goaltender, like sign me up. I'll take a swing on them. But these three guys, Mac would be the guy I'd roll out there. Uh, whoever puts up over a 900 save percentage, I'd put them out the next game and just keep on going. And if they drop and they put up an 875 or an 840, next guy gets to go. And, you know, you just kind of roll that way. I imagine they'll probably keep all three for a little bit here and, and, and go with the carousel. Yeah, I guess they kind of have to, right? Until someone earns a spot. Maybe McElhenney has at least to not be waived and to be the backup or 1A, 1B right now. And I kind of like Morazic as someone, like maybe a sleeper guy you could grab probably out of free agency and fantasy right now. Don't go in with huge expectations. But I feel like I'm pretty much done with Scott Darling. I'm kind of feeling similar to him as I do about Corey Schneider right now, where I would be stacking the other teams in my daily fantasy leagues every chance I get when that goalie's playing. And morazic has been not great, but and Brian, Brian will make fun of me here because I was the one saying how Morazic sucks at the start of the year. And not that I have changed my mind that much, but I feel like he at least has the potential to be a good goalie. We've seen him be a good starting goalie in the NHL a couple of years ago. Maybe he's had time now with this injury. Like I said about what I was hoping for with Matt Murray, right? Get his head right, figure out what he was doing wrong, and maybe play well. Though we did have all of last summer, and that didn't work out for him at the start of the year. So that, that's my pick. If, if, if I had to have one Carolina goalie on my roster for the rest of this season of fantasy, I'm going Morazic. Who are you going? Yeah, I'll probably go Morazic too, but I'm not going to go with any of them, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good pick if you put a gun to my head, though. Yeah, that's right. Maybe in a league where it only counts wins and saves and you don't get dinged for goals against. Okay, so you mentioned Antti Ranta. He is back for Arizona. He was injured for a little bit. Great news for them, you would think, because Darcy Kemper is injured. So I guess they just take turns uh, being on and off the team. Of course, Ranta wasn't great in his return. Uh, He led in five goals on 39 shots versus Colorado. That's a really tough team to return against, the way they're scoring. And then today, he got blown up again against Calgary, 6-1. to Calgary destroyed Arizona. Ranta was in for all six of those goals against. So not a good return. Are we going to, like, start to get worried as Ranta owners saying, like, oh, what is he not good, actually? Or is this just, like, he's coming back from injury, clearly maybe he wasn't fully ready or maybe he has to work off some rust or something because i feel like he could be a really great fantasy goal like we saw last year he was one of the top guys to own and arizona eventually won like a bunch of games in a row at the end of the year once he got going so yeah are you concerned about these two bad losses for ranta or do you think like now's a good time to buy low if anything 
Yeah, if you can buy low on them, yeah, sign me up for sure. I like Auntie Ranta. Um, I like what the Coyotes are doing. They're slowly building. Um, I did a, an article for for Dauber Hockey there a few days ago, or yeah, earlier last week. Um, and I kind of looked at year to date, so in 2018, and he and he leads all net miners in save percentage um, in all the, since last January. So that's really strong. Um, I think his value still is is going to come up in the future. So like I said, I like what Arizona's building. I think they're going to be a good team. And I think he's going to be a big part of that. So uh, in a keeper league, I'm definitely interested in picking him up. In a one-year league, I think they're going to be okay. They're going to kind of be a middling team that might fight for a playoff spot until the deadline um, and then slide out a bit. But, you know, he showed last season, even on a bad team, that he can put up big, big numbers. Um, So, yeah, you know, he's a guy that I'm not too concerned with yet. Coming off an injury, especially playing the abs there, that first game back, you're, they torch guys that aren't hurt. So, um, yeah, I, I like Andy Rant a lot. And, and one of these guys that I think that if you're in a one league, definitely stay patient or go after him if, if he's not on your team. Yeah, I agree with you, Ranta. I think now would be a great time to try to make an offer if you need a goalie. Like I was saying before, like you go after Jake Allen for cheap, but I'd rather go after Ranta if you could get him for cheap because like he's had two bad games and actually Allen's had four good games recently. So who knows? Maybe if these owners are really, you know, short memory guys, then maybe you can get a steal of a trade for him because yeah, I would definitely prefer Ranta. So uh, Arizona also had a couple of outjuries. Last week, a couple defensemen came back to maybe help Auntie Ranta. Not that they helped today, but Alex Goligoski and Jacob Chikrin are both back with the team uh neither of them did anything today like no points goligoski had four blocks for what's worth i've always kind of like goligoski as a depth d-man in leagues that do count blocks because he usually gets between 35 like around 35 points and then he's really solid for blocks so i'd check your free agency if he's available and you need a defense in your league counts blocks curious to get your thoughts on jacob chikrin who's still really young only 20 years old is there any fantasy upside here either for this year or in the future uh, he's got multi-cat upside, um, and maybe a little bit for points only. Um, I've undervalued him so far in his career. So he had a ton of hype coming out of junior, well, coming out of his draft minus one year, you know, he was projected to be a top three pick and he had not such a great draft eligible campaign and he slid, you know, uh, whatever it was into the late teens to Arizona. And that was a, a really nice pick for them. Um, and then he made the squad as a teenager, which is, which is great. And so he's one of these guys, he's a, he's kind of a physical specimen. So he's, he's in great shape. You know, he's got a big shot. Uh, he can hit out there. You can get some shots on net. Um, you know, I, I, I think he could be a 40-point guy in the right situation. He's, he's not going to be pushing OEL off that top power play unit, so he's going to have to do what Provorov does, which is put up strong five-on-five numbers and then click on that second unit when you can. Um, so, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, if you, if you need some categories filled up, I think he's okay, but I, I'm, still, I'm still not buying that he's, he's going to be a real offensive producer. Okay, yeah, that seems fair in his situation right now. Oliver Ekman Larson not going anywhere. If he ever gets injured, then that would be an interesting situation to maybe jump on one of these guys. But hopefully that'll just never happen. That would be not good for Auntie Ranta owners, for sure. Uh, we've had a lot of people asking us lately if they can drop one of your favorites, at least going into last season, Clayton Keller. So I'm really glad to have you here to talk about him. Going into today, he only had one assist in his last five games and 13 points in 21 games overall on the season. Though I believe he did score Arizona's only goal today, yeah, an unassisted goal at the end of the game. So there you go. You could add that to pad his stats but overall yeah very disappointing especially compared to last year brian and i pegged him for like 75 points this year over the summer like we were super high on clayton keller so far it hasn't really happened are you uh like lower on him now than you were a year ago or are you just as high as ever 
Uh, yeah, I'm just as high as ever. The kid's 20. So this stuff happens to young players. You know, it's a difficult league to consistently produce in. Um, he's a highly, highly skilled player. So he's got a lot of Johnny Goodrow in him. He gets prime ice. Um, Arizona, like I said, they're coming, I think, you know, in the next year or two, three years, they're going to be a playoff team and they're going to be exciting and they're going to score a ton of goals. And he's going to be their number one offensive option in all situations. So, uh, he's a guy that I really, really like. I think he can play at a 70, 75 point pace, uh, for stretches this year. Um, he's in a bit of a cold streak right now. And like I said, as a 20 year old, you got to expect that even, even the superstars will go through streaks, um, when they're that age. So, uh, he's one of these guys that I absolutely would be buying low on in a keeper league. If you got an opportunity to, um, in a one-year league, just kind of hold on. Um, I, I think he's going to wake up and he's, he's probably going to end the season in the sixties. Um, I, I believe he probably hit 60 last year without looking at the numbers in front of me. So I think that's going to be about his floor. Um, he, he's a high, high skill player. I like him a lot. And if you recall last year, he was the type of guy that would go on runs where he like got points in every games and then would go cold for like 10 games in a row and do nothing. So maybe he's just one of those cold runs right now. And a big hot streak is just over the horizon. So yeah, I agree with you. I'd wait and see. He seems like the kind of guy that if he was dropped in your league and you don't add him, then someone else at some point will just like stream him in for like two days, two games in two days. And then he'll go off and then that person will keep him for the whole rest of the season. You'll be like, oh my God, how did I not add Clayton Keller when I had the chance? So I feel like I would grab him as well. Though one guy I'm maybe not as confident about on Arizona's Alex Galchenyuk, who's also been cold, but he's been playing lately with n- pretty much non-factors and Christian Fisher and Lawson Krause. Like, these are not guys I'd want to own the line mate of. Is this like the same situation as Keller where he's going to bounce back and be fine? Or are we approaching a point where we need to consider Alex Galchenyuk a snoozer, at least in one-year leagues? Yeah, he's been a snoozer for a couple of years now, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, way less hype for Galley than I am for, for Keller. Um, if he's cold, I'm cutting bait. Uh, when he's hot or if he's playing with Keller, uh, then I'm a little more interested in streaming him in. But he's a 45, 50-point guy. That's what he is. Um, he'll he'll have some stretches where he'll play at a higher pace, and then he'll have some stretches at a lower pace. But, um, you know, he, he's he's one of these guys, if you can catch him on a run, then sure, I guess, if you can time it out. But, but yeah, I've left him on the wire many, many times, and I haven't really regretted it at all. So I, I don't think he's... I don't think he's a viable option long-term. So he, he, like I said earlier, you got to play the stock market a bit with him. Yeah, Brian's in the chat room, actually. Brian, go take care of your baby. Maybe everyone's sleeping right now. I'm sure Brian's doing a great job uh, in his uh, day two as a parent. Uh, but yeah, Gal Chanuk is someone Brian used to really like. And he like he was very high on him going into the season. And he is saying that he respectfully disagrees with you. He still thinks that Gal Chanuk has 60-plus point upside. Of course, we'll have to wait and see. You're right that he wasn't able to do it on Montreal. And a lot of people just said that it was because he wasn't getting the respect and the deployment. Though right now in Arizona, he's not getting the deployment like for a while it was Clayton Keller playing with Galchenyuk and Derek Stepan getting bumped and everyone was really surprised about that and now it's back to Keller playing with Stepan maybe they'll keep shaking things around since Arizona again got destroyed today so maybe they'll shake up the lines but yeah Galchenyuk definitely not seeming as an exciting as an option as I thought he was you know a few weeks ago I in fact uh, we have this patron Dave Benton who makes an awesome bonus podcast for our patrons called the stream scheme where he like talks about players to add and drop every week based on the schedule and he said a few weeks back that Galchenyuk could be dropped and i was like i messaged i like called him out on the facebook i was like dave what are you talking about you're not gonna drop galchenyuk and now you know maybe he was right uh it'll be really fun to keep uh following him and then once brian's back to ask him what he thinks about galchenyuk and he could either defend himself or say yeah i guess cam's right i guess dave's right maybe it is time to not have his high expectations about him well i'll rebuttal for for brian there is that I'm not saying he couldn't be a 60-point player. He could be. He had a lot of skill coming out of junior. And if you if you lock him with Clayton Keller and Keller's rolling hot, then you know this. Like I said, this is he's a player that can play stretches at that pace for sure. I just don't see it sustaining. 
and uh, and I've just been I've watched people get burned by him too long. Uh, that he's he's at an age now where he's not a spring chicken. Um, he he still could improve, and and I don't like to put ceilings on players before they're you know, twenty seven unless they're a late bloomer sort of thing. So he could he could have a season where he, he rides some 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 coattails a little bit and 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 has some good fortune and ends up being a sixty point guy. But yeah, for my money, he's more of that forty five fifty. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of ifs there. <laughs> like so that doesn't make me too confident for sure. By the way, Brian has corrected me. He's holding the baby while watching. So there you go. Another use for our podcast, keeping Carlson even. If if you're not playing fantasy might be a good way to keep your baby busy and maybe you know the baby will be bored fall asleep because what does a baby care about a bunch of random hockey stats uh but okay let's go to one more goalie situation not an injury or an outry i mentioned them at the top of the show we got to talk about the buffalo sabers and carter hutton hutton has if brian's still listening here this is another guy that i guess brian and i got wrong at the start of the year so at least we're correcting ourselves now we're not like these other media outlets that just forget about anything they said before that was wrong and only talk about what they got right we're gonna have to admit right now or maybe brian will say that we were right all along and we just haven't found out yet but we said that carter hutton wasn't going to be that great he'd never been a good start in the league at this point though he's won seven games in a row the sabers have actually won nine games in a row overall so Allmark took care of the other two games hutton has an 11 6 and 1 record and a 9 19 save percentage on the season huge value for anyone who drafted him because they probably got him super late in their drafts uh like i feel like i wanted to draft carter hutton this year because buffalo was looking really good I don't know, maybe Brian took me out of it. But, you know, I got to take responsibility for my decisions. But, Cam, like, would you have agreed with Brian and I going into the season? And what do you think about Carter Hutton going forward? Like, maybe a good opportunity to sell high if you have him. If you don't think he'll be as good, you get maybe someone like Ranta or Crawford and maybe even get a separate upgrade in the deal. Or maybe you just keep riding him high. Like, Buffalo, they've got Eichel. They've got Darlene, who's really hot lately. Like, everything seems to be clicking. So maybe you just keep riding the wave. Yeah, a lot of people were looking at Phil Grubauer as the the goalie to grab this year as someone who's been a backup and was going to get an opportunity. Um, I liked Carter Hutton. So, you know, he had a great season with St. Louis last year. I believe he led the league in save percentage. Um, people like to push him. You know, he's younger. He's been in, Bo- in Buffalo for a little bit longer. But, you know, that contract that they gave Hutton and, uh, and just the way he's performed, I also liked taking a risk on Buffalo taking a step forward. Now, I was not predicting them to be leading the league by December. Um, but, you know, Jack Eichel was going to take a step ahead. They're adding Rasmus Dahlin. So the kid's 18. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not tremendous defensively, but the things he does with the puck and the, the way he skates, is it's going to create things. So they had a young team. Reinhardt was going to take a step forward. I didn't like the loss of Ryan O'Reilly. I thought that was going to hurt them a lot, um, but it hasn't affected them too much yet. Uh, but no, so I, I liked him. I actually wanted to draft him in my league, and he went a little bit before I was comfortable grabbing him. Um, so uh, I didn't. But, uh, you know, he, he's one of these guys that, you know, he's pro- he's not going to maintain what he's doing right now, nor are the Sabres. And I, I say that um, where they're not going to finish top of the standings. I think they're going to be a decent team. There goes my lights. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I think he's a player that that you want to have right now. Uh, but if you can sell him in a one-year league, there we go. Uh. Go ahead and do that. And uh, if you can sell him for someone who's an elite starter sort of thing, and in a keeper league, I would grab him for Auntie Ranta or someone like that, no problem with his age. Uh, but it, it's one of these situations where people probably aren't going to buy on it anyways because he's been a career backup and because they expect Buffalo to slide down the standings. So just ride him while you can. And I think he's going to be a useful goaltender for a lot of teams. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And this Buffalo team looks really good. Yeah, why trade him? Like you say, like people aren't going to be uh, paying super high for Carter Hutton, so why not just ride him while you can? And Rasmus Stalin, by the way, like a big reason, again, for why Buffalo is starting to win these games. Like they always, like last year and the last couple of years, has been like Rasmus Ristolainen and playing a million minutes a game because they didn't have another defenseman who could do anything. Stalin's now got eight points in his last eight games. We had a question on Facebook, like, can he keep this up? Like obviously long-term, you've already been on record saying like you're in love with Darlene. But like for this year moving forward, like Elias Pettersson has been running away with the Calder race, but uh, Darlene coming on strong right now. I'm not saying that he's going to catch Pedersen, but do you think he could be like a 40, 50 point defenseman this year? Like you were sort of iffy on it going into the year when we talked to you right after the draft, but the way he's going right now, like this guy's looking like a stud. He is absolutely a stud. And so I predicted him to put up, you know, I think, I think on my, on my projection sheet, I had him at 41 or something like that. And I still, I think that that would be a tremendous rookie season for an 18 year old. Um, but now he's, I also thought the Rissa line, would see the lion's share of that top power play unit and Darlene's been taking it too. And he's been, he's been doing well. And like you said, eight points in eight games. Um, he, he's, he's, you can see the confidence is kind of growing a little bit, the creativity. Um, I was listening to the 31 thoughts pod there and they were talking about some of the, the film that they were watching in the Sabres. Uh, in their TV room there and they're just watching plays of Darlene and the players were all these veterans are just like laughing out loud with how ridiculous this kid is with the skill level. Um, so I, I think that right now he's playing at about a 40 point pace, but the early season struggles are, are probably gone now. They're roping him in a bit. I think they're going to slowly let the horse out of the stable. And he's someone that could play at a 50, 55 point pace for long stretches or even the rest of the year and end up in that, you know, kind of high forties, mid forties. Um, so he's, he's a, he's a difference maker already at this age. And he's one of these guys that, you know, a legitimate PPG upside from the blue line is so rare. Um, you can't really predict those ones too often. They just kind of come out of nowhere um, a little bit uh, like Burns and, and Carlson. You didn't project them when they were that age. So um, he, he's a horse and, and and one that you definitely want. He's going to make a big difference. And he's helping out Carter Hutton. You know, the, the putting up points on the board is going to help that goaltending situation to maintain. Yeah, a lot of people had the opportunity to grab Rasmus Stalin earlier in the year. Like in one-year leagues, he got drafted because of the hype. And then, you know, he was slow after the start and he got dropped in a lot of leagues. And I'm sure he's been added in all leagues by now. If not, definitely grab him in your one-year league if he's available in free agency. Because, yeah, he is coming on strong. And, hey, not to say that Rasmus Ristolainen is chopped liver. He has four points in his last four games as well. So right now, you know, there's a lot of wealth to go around with Buffalo doing so well. But definitely it seems like Dalin has eclipsed Ristolainen as the Buffalo Sabres defenseman to own in fantasy. I think I don't think there's a question about that right now and that was something we debated a lot over the summer but i think it's been answered uh let's go to another coaching change so we talked about st louis firing their coach we had another coach fired this past week todd mcclellan was bounced by the oilers ken hitchcock was hired to replace him there were some interesting practice lines yesterday actually edmonton's playing today so by the time people listen to this they'll know if this came to bear but apparently ryan spooner was up with mcdavid and dreisaitl on line one so i guess you could say goodbye to kajula and hello spooner as the latest hot oilers streaming option because you definitely want a player playing with both like uh, for most of the year mcdavid and dreisaitl have been separated but if they're playing together you definitely want to have that guy who's the third on that line so yeah what do you think is spooner now a guy that you'd be looking at of course like as i say this probably the lines are already changing because this changes so often yeah uh, yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens i think uh, i think hitchcock likes a player like kajula um he's not an overly big physical guy or like a physically big player but he plays physical and he plays kind of that heavy game that hitch enjoys um and he's got a bit of speed too so um i think kajula i'm sure hitchcock is just trying out some some things seeing seeing who fits where spooner's kind of more of a perimeter player um he's got good hands 
but I, I'm not sure, you know, is dry saddle the one doing the digging in the corner for you is McDavid. I, I probably don't need that happening. So um, I, I prefer a player who can kind of get their hands dirty a bit over Spooner. So we'll, we'll see, but you're absolutely right. Whoever's playing on that top line. And if they, if they're getting sustained opportunities up there, then that's going to be huge. Um, so I, I broke down that, uh, that coaching change and, you know, people were immediately uh, saying that, you know, Oh, there goes McDavid's Art Ross trophies and, you know, Hitch is going to rein them in and all this stuff. And I'm like, sure. Hitchcock went to Dallas and he demanded more from Tyler Sagan. Um, and that's fair because Tyler Sagan didn't play all that well in the defensive end and he needed to become a more ra- well-rounded player. Um, and it worked. And, and Sagan has nothing but good things to say about Hitch. He challenged him and he's a, he's a better player for it. McDavid led the league in takeaways last year. The guy is literally the best player on the planet with a bullet. Um, he, he's, he, you don't, you don't put restrictions on a player like that. He's already playing 22 minutes a night. Is Hitch really going to shave off two or three even strength minutes to throw him on the, the PK more, or is he going to dump him in the defensive zone for, for face-offs more often? It's like, no, he's not. If he's smart, he's not. Um, the guy I was a little worried about was Leon Dreisaitl, um, because if they decided to put, uh, Nugent Hopkins with McDavid as, as it was early on in the season. And that means dry settles your number two center. And I could see Hitch coming down heavy on him to play a little more responsible because, you know, dry settle, he's a good player. He's a heavy player, but he, he can get a little lackadaisical in his own end. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they keep him and McDavid together. Uh, I love it. I want that. I want to see it great for points, great for both players, not good for Nugent Hopkins. Uh, but if dry settle does move down to that, that two C spot, it'll be interesting to see, you know, you might see some yelling matches that, that uh, practice around the bench with him and hitch and, and that'll be fun uh, to watch too. But uh, yeah, the, the third wheel on that line, sign me up if, if they're playing it and they're getting sustained minutes uh, because those two together, it's the nuclear option in, in Edmonton and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be so weird if Hitchcock was going to Connor McDavid. Like, oh, I, I have some notes on how you've been playing lately. I think I, I, I think you need to make some changes. That would be insane. Uh, then, of course, there's a couple other things I want to talk about in Edmonton. I guess the goalie situation now might be a bit of a reset. I've been seeing people saying, like, is it seemed like Koskinen had stolen the job from Cam Talbot. Maybe now it's a fresh start and both goalies again have to earn it. Koskinen's been good. Talbot's been bad. Talbot's going to be playing today. So I'll be interested to see if he plays well. Hey, Mike Smith played today after not playing for a while and he had a good game. Of course, it was against Arizona who can't score a goal right now. But yeah, I wonder if Cam Talbot will follow suit and have a good game himself. Well, he's getting himself a nice opportunity to. They're playing the Kings, who who just played last night and put up a you know not a, put up a stinker, dare I say, against the Canucks, who are not a great team either, um, and lost to them in their own barn. And Vancouver had been playing the night before too, so a tired Canucks squad. So um, he's going to get a good opportunity here to show up against the Kings. Uh, they might be hungry too, though, so we'll see. But uh, for my money, I think if unless Talbot puts up a huge night tonight, I think I think it is Koskinen. I think he's been the better goaltender. Um, and, and Hitches knows, you know, he knows he's been around the block. You, you, you play the guy who's doing well. And, and that's been costing in this year. And, and Talbot, he, he, he only had a, a short window of being a legitimate starter in this league. And it was, you know, not even a full season. Um, so I'd be concerned as a Talbot owner with Koskinen coming in there, but at the same time, this guy, you know, he put up good numbers in the K. Um, he, he's, He's, it's unlikely he's going to string together 35 or 40 games of, of really tremendous work. So Talbot will get some some opportunities throughout the season to take that job back if he does lose it. But uh, it, it's it's one of those ones where you know show me a, show me a, a good coach and I'll show you a good goaltender too. So coaches will like to to ride the hot hand. 
Hmm, interesting. That, that's funny. I like that saying. Um, hey, you were talking before about how Carolina might need someone. I've been seeing rumors that maybe Edmonton, because I think Talbot's a free, free agent at the end of the year. Maybe if Koskinen's playing well, maybe there's a nice fit. So there you go. There's a trade rumor I've just thrown out there that now maybe some beat writer could tweet and be like, rumors have it that Edmonton's going to be trading Talbot to Carolina. But I like it. Make it happen. And then maybe Edmonton could get back a defenseman. Maybe Jacob Slavin. I've, I've got it all worked out. Okay. Everyone wins. Yeah, good luck getting Slavin for, for Talbot. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe this is more of an Oilers fan talking. But actually, okay, there is one player on Edmonton that I really need to bring up. Brian's actually saying here in the chat room, he's asking about him. So <laughs> it's really it's really weird to be doing a podcast, having Brian in the chat room giving me uh, notes as we go here. Uh, but Oscar Clefbaum, okay, what do we do with this guy? Like, he's been, like everything we were expecting from him in terms of deployment, he's getting. He's been the top power play guy all year long. He's been playing over 25 minutes a night. Averaging three shots per game, which is really good for a defenseman, but somehow has zero goals and only eight assists in 22 games going into today. Like to me, like all signs point to him being due. Like all signs point to me saying if people when people ask me, you know, like should I drop Clef Bomb for this guy or that guy? And I'm always saying, no, you gotta hold on to Clef Bomb. He's top power play, plays big minutes, he shoots, like it's all the things I look for, but the production just isn't there. Like, is there a point where I need to start recommending for people to drop Clef Bomb even while he's in this good spot? Or is it just a matter of you have to just kind to hold him forever because he's due for a breakout anytime i just dropped him i dropped him <laughs> i feel no remorse um maybe the only remorse i have is that i probably could have got a draft pick if i if i tried to trade him out there a couple weeks ago five or six weeks ago um but yeah no it's the the waiting on a cleft bomb break a uh, breakout is is the equivalent of chasing the dragon you're just you're never getting enough it's never enough it's never quite there um so he's he's not a, a main factor on that top power play on it so he's out there you know, he's touching the puck sometimes, but he's definitely not a, a kind of a key part of that unit. It goes off of McDavid on the half wall. If he, if he needs to use the point, he will, but, but they like to work it down low a lot. And so that's kind of eating up into any of his power play assists. Um, you know, yeah, I, I want to say the same thing. If I didn't have him and he was sitting on the wire and I was looking for a D man and be like, Ooh, a top power play defenseman playing with McDavid, I'll take a chance on that. And I'm sure someone will in my league now that he's sitting there, but it's just, he, he at some point, you got to produce, you got to shit or get off the pot basically. Um, so I'm, I'm not holding my breath for club bomb to, to be putting up a, a bunch of points anytime soon. I think he could and should play at a 40 point pace with that deployment. Uh, he just hasn't done it. So, you know, I, I let him go. Yeah. That's that. Cause also with all the shots, right? Like 0% shooting percentage so yeah. far this year. So that seems low, but I get what you're saying. I wonder now with a new coach is Clef bombs job potentially in jeopardy. If he doesn't pick it up, like maybe another defenseman that didn't the Oilers just trade for Weidman from the Sens. I don't know if he'd be the next guy in line, but like they do have, some, I mean, they don't really have that many great options to be honest, but maybe Darnell nurse. I don't know. Weidman's an offensive player. You never know. He can put up there and, you know, he might be a little more creative than Clefbaum too. But yeah, like I said, at some point you got to produce, but if the unit itself is doing well, um, their hitch probably won't mess with it too much. And, and Clefbaum is their best defenseman. Uh, so he, his place there is probably pretty secure. But like I say, he's just, he's, if he's not putting up points, he, he can only hold on for so long. And uh, I think 20 games is, is a decent sample size for a player that, you know, if he goes off and, and, and you missed out on him, then, you know, that that happens sometimes too. But if there's a better option out there, like even a guy like Jeff Petrie, who his top power play might be in jeopardy with Shea Weber coming back, but I actually think he's going to hold on and produce more than Clef Bomb, even if he's off that top unit. So I, if there's a guy like that sitting on the wire, I'd, I'd be making the swap. 
Wow, so interesting. I, okay, I'm going to say to anyone listening to this show, that's probably going to now be like, okay, should I drop him finally now that Cam said I should? Like, maybe give, I'd love to just give it one more week if we can, just to see with the new coach if anything changes. But yeah, we're we're very close. As Dave would say on Stream Scheme, he's on notice. He's on extreme notice right now. But yeah, tough, I don't know, tough for me to let him go. I guess you have you have bigger guts than I, Cam, for finally cutting the cord there. Uh, okay, let's uh, go into a bit of a lightning round now. A whole bunch more players I wanted to get to before you tell me that it's time to let go, though. If you say you have to go, then you don't get to talk about Elias Pettersson. So that's my only way of being able to keep you here. But okay, let's try to get through these guys. Uh, yesterday, Ilya Kovalchuk played in the bottom six for the Kings with Haglin and Kempe, though apparently Haglin's injured now, so who knows who he'll be playing with next game. But yeah, Kovalchuk also wasn't even on the top power play. Tyler Toffoli took his spot there. So after a solid start to the season, Kovalchuk is now pointless in eight games. I, I feel really bad about this because I was high on him in the offseason. Clearly, I was wrong. Tell me if I'm crazy. Is it time to ring the snoozer alarm on Ilya Kovalchuk? Like, he's a bottom six, non-top power play guy, pointless in eight. Obviously, there's upside there, but obviously, he doesn't have what he used to. And I don't know, he'd be a really tough hold right now for me. Yeah, for sure. So I wasn't buying the hype as much as some people. So I think I put him at low 50s on my projection there. Um and uh, he's looking around, you know, Dmitry Filipovich tweeted that out that, you know, he's looking around LA and they, he's like, I've made a huge mistake. Um, signing that contract there, you know, he wanted to play with Anze Kopitar, never had an opportunity to play with a centerman like him in the NHL. And so why not? You know, it's California, it's sunny. Um, they, they got Dowdy, they got Kopitar, they got quick. Maybe they can make a, a, a run here on their last legs with that bedroom core. And it is not working out. Uh, I don't think LA is as bad as they've been playing. Um, but also uh, Willie Desjardins stepping in as the coach probably isn't great for that team um, for this season. So I like Willie D. I think he's a, I think he's a, a good guy and he kind of got a rough ride in Vancouver. Um, uh, but he, he loves to jumble his lines. He doesn't really roll them too deep and uh, they don't create a ton of offense on his team. So uh, Kovalchuk, he's snoozing. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be holding on too long. So he's a player who's got that elite shot sometimes still he had it in the khl and he'll flash it in the nhl still but his legs aren't what they used to be and unless he's playing with kopitar and kopitar is moving and shaking that i'm not super interested in him yeah i mean it makes sense and you say like he came because he wanted to play with kopitar now he's playing with adrian kempe so not exactly what he was hoping for that's funny were you throwing some shade there when you were like i wasn't as high on him as some people by some people i assume you mean me all right everyone i apologize i hopefully no one drafted kovalchuk too high because of me uh, there's another guy i wanted to ask you about on la who is this matt luff character that has scored in three straight games for the kings patron chris asked me to ask a, what's a matt luff so do you have any idea? He has three goals on four shots in his last four shots, right? Bottom six, no power play time. He's got to be just a nobody that's hot right now. We're never going to mention him again on the show, right? Oh, no way, man. Totally sustainable metrics. Three goals on four shots, bottom six, no PP time. That's the guy I shoot for in fantasy. Uh, no, yeah, he's a, a late bloomer. He had a decent OHL career, uh, put up some points there, but he, he's not for real. It's, it's a good story for this week, but yeah, no, don't be going and get left. Yeah, I wonder how many people got in on these three goals from Luff. Uh, if you did, congratulations. You win the fantasy award from last week. You are a brilliant genius. Uh, so Brian made a bet with Daniel Negranu recently that I think it was kind of a confusing bet, but it was basically Alex Tuck versus Max Pacioretty. It was sort of like a, a layered bet. It was like Brian will change his mind about Alex Tuck over Pacioretty. But let's just simplify it. Basically, the bet was like, who's going to be the better fantasy owner come the end of the season? Got to give Brian actually a lot of credit. He stuck to his guns on Pacioretty while everyone else was saying like Pacioretty sucks. Daniel Negreanu was saying like, no, Pacioretty's terrible. But like Brian said, no, he'll be good. He'll be fine. And hey, 
Look at this. Six goals and three assists in his last seven games. So Max Pacioretty is on fire. Anyone who hung on to him or grabbed him from free agency or bought low on him is definitely loving life right now. Obviously, the second line of Pacioretty, Alex Tuck, and Cody Eakin is on fire. They're all benefiting. And yeah, you can't exactly say that Daniel got it wrong because Alex Tuck is up to 17 points in 17 games. So he's holding up his end of the bargain. And he's fantastic. He's playing like a superstar here. Maybe it's just like a wash at this point. Like, do you have a take on who's going to win this bet here? Like, who's better between Alex Tuck and Max Pacioretty? Or maybe it doesn't even matter. Maybe it's just a matter of saying both of these guys are worth owning in your league. And if you get either one, you're loving life. Uh, they're both on the top power play. They're both on the same lines. You can't imagine their fortunes being too separate right now. Though, hey, as a prospect expert, maybe I should ask you to focus more on Alex Tuck. Has he ever been on your radar as a prospect with upside? Because he right now, like I said, 70 points in 17 games. Daniel Negreanu tweeted us just today saying Alex Tuck has been like the best player on the ice from his vantage point. Like the whole ever since he came back from his injury. This guy can't stop getting points. Yeah, so if you'd asked me this right after Patches landed in Vegas and said, you know, points only, who's going to get more? The safe answer would have been Patch Reddy because he's got the history. Um, but, you know, what we've seen in the early portion of the season and, and even with Tuck having a little bit of injury there, um, I'm, I'm going with my boy Daniel Negreanu. So, you know, he, he's, he's got half a million followers and he pumps out my work sometimes. So I got <laughs> to go with him, right? Um, but no, I like Tuck. I like him a lot. Um, he's always been a good player. Um, he was a high draft pick. I think he, you know, he was 19th overall or something like that, top 20 anyways. Um, it was interesting, though. He was on the American World Junior team one season as an 18-year-old, and then coming back, supposed to be a veteran on that team as a 19-year-old leader, and got cut, which is pretty rare. Uh, the Americans will do it a little more than some other teams, um, but it still it was a bit surprising for me. Uh, but, you know, it, it soured some people in the business on him, too. So. He uh, he went back though. He had a good, you know, he had some good seasons there in in uh, growing up in the, in the states and in college. And then when Minnesota gave up on him, basically a year after they drafted him so high, just to keep Jonas Brodeen. So they gave up Eric Halla, who you know scored twenty goals last year and was a strong second line center for him. Uh, and Tuck has just a, a ton of upside as a power forward. So I like my power forwards young. Um, so they, they tend to go off a, a bit of a steep cliff when they hit 29, 30, these guys will slide off. Um, you don't like them too young though. When they're 18, 19, they haven't figured it out yet. They don't play defensively responsible coaches slam them on the, on, you know, kind of bottom six. Um, so Tookie's right in that kind of middle meaty zone there where he's getting good deployment. Um, I'd like him if Paul Stassi was on that line. He, they'd probably be doing even better too. Uh, but yeah, he's playing second line. He's got patch ready. He's playing on the top unit. Um, it's, it's a, it's a good spot for him and he's a good player. So I don't think he's a superstar. I don't think he's a point of game guy, but he's one of these players that could definitely play at a 65 point pace and finish up around that total, um, is totally doable. And so I, I think I'm leaning, leaning tuck here. Okay, and there you go. And by the way, like you say, like he'd be doing better with Stasny there, potentially. But hey, no shade of Cody Eakin, who stepped in and done really well in Stasny's absence and Eric Howla's absence. So obviously a great opportunity for Cody Eakin. And he's stepping into it after being sort of a guy who every once in a while would get on the top line in Dallas, but generally was a bottom sixer that no one really cared about in fantasy. Uh, another guy on Vegas who's doing amazingly well is someone we recommend for people to add last week. So you don't need to dig too much into him because we already told you to grab Colin Miller once he was getting on that top power play. And he had another great week. If you didn't listen to us, you missed out on another three points in three games after his one goal and one assist yesterday versus the Sharks. So yeah, once again, go grab Colin Miller if you can. Like top power play defensemen are not easy to find. Maybe in Cam's league, you could find Oscar Clefbaum, but I would rather have Colin Miller. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. So he had that icy start. Uh, you know, he was missing Nate Schmidt at evens. Um, and the Vegas, they had unsustainably good luck last year. And early on this season, that their metrics were below so that they're they're due for some positive regression. And we're starting to see that a little bit. So um, Jonathan Marcheseau has kind of been the only consistent on that team. And even he's been shooting below his percentages of five on five and, and his own personal metrics. So I think there's a lot more to give on that team. And I think Colin Miller can be a strong producer on that top power play unit. By the way, uh, a promotion for the live show. If anyone is here in the chat room, they would see that Michael just wrote a really funny poem about Alex Tuck. So I feel like uh, that's a benefit of joining us live every week. Keepingcarlson.com slash live if you want to see what's going on. Uh, okay, next uh, player on a hot streak that I want to get to is Anthony Bovillier on the Islanders. He's back in the top six. If you recall, we talked about a few episodes ago how he got bumped from the top six. And who was like Kunakle was there? Anyway, we're back to the lines from the start of the year right now so Bovillier with Barzil and Bailey and then Lee with uh Brock Nelson and Jordan Everly and so Bovillier specifically though his goal yesterday brought him to seven points in his last five games he's also been getting great power play time because the Islanders have split into two power play units it's very interesting kind of weird because we always talk about whether Pulak is going to bump Letty from the top power play but lately they've been running one power play unit with Pulak and Letty both there along with Lee Bailey and Eberly, which I guess is the top power play, but hard to say considering it doesn't have Barzil. Barzil's been on the other unit and Beauvillier has been there and they've both been getting around 50% of the time. So all of that, a long winding way to say that Anthony Beauvillier seems to be in a really good spot, seems to be taking advantage right now. So would you say that it's time for people to go and jump on him as he was likely dropped in a lot of leagues after he got bumped from the top six? Yeah, if he's playing with with Matt Barzell in all situations, I'm buying. Um, So he's another kid. He showed a ton of skill in junior, put up some big points. Um, you know, I, I talked to a, a few of the scouts uh, in his draft year and they saw a lot of Claude Giroux in this guy. Um, so he, he's got nice upside, um, but he also plays kind of a gritty, smart defensive game as well, too. So coaches don't mind throwing him on a checking line because he can handle himself. Um, he's uh, he's 21. So he's, he's young. And uh, him and Barzell had some nice chemistry last year. He had a streak there in the third quarter where he put up 17 points in 21 games next to Barzell. So, uh, yeah, if they're playing together, and they're clicking, I am definitely all on board. So I like Anthony Bovillier. Yeah, and we would see, I remember back in the day, like before Barzal broke out last year, I think we were talking like who's the one to own between Barzal and Bovillier. Like now it seems so obvious, but weren't they both kind of similar prospects in terms of what people were expecting from them? Uh, no, Barzal has always had that like, crazy upside so there was there was no reason for him to be picked where he was uh the only thing was that he injury in his draft year and otherwise he was like a top five talent um and then boston just went out of their minds and made those three terrible picks no offense jake debrask i like you but um, they could have had kyle connor and and barzell and and thomas shabbat or brock besser or anything like that any one of these guys that were ranked where they should have gone um so no i I definitely have the higher upside for barzell even going back to when the kid was 16 he's always had that huge huge upside Wow, that's crazy to imagine. Imagine the Boston Bruins, but you trade DeBrusque for those three guys. That would be insane. The Boral and Sension in there too. That you know, it's just ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. That's a shame. And they traded Tyler Sagan for Louis Erickson, but they've they made some good moves. Oh, they're still a good team. I don't know. They signed Yaroslav Halak. That was obviously a really good move recently. Yeah. Uh, Pasternak at twenty three or twenty four or whatever it was. That was a good play. Yeah. By the way, uh, I wasn't planning on bringing up Boston, but I guess it's kind of interesting. So last week we talked about Bergeron injured, but we didn't realize it was going to be such a long-term injury. I believe that Jacob Forsbacka Carlson, so we've got another Carlson that's relevant in the NHL. He's been playing on the top line, I think, with Marchand and Pasternak, or he's going to be. Like, I saw this on Roto World just today. So keep your eye on the next Carlson that might be good. 
Yeah, yeah, there you go. JFK, yeah, he's a player. He's got some good skills. Um, I, I imagine that they were going to keep Krejci and Passa together, the Czech kind of connection, and then uh, Marchant would be playing with uh, JFK or maybe DeBrusque even um, and on that second unit and kind of getting Marchant away from the, the top defensive oppositions. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big loss to have Bergeron for the fantasy teams. Like This is a guy I've been championing all year. Like, let's get this guy on a heart trophy ballot in the finalist positions. I, I love Patrice Bergeron. He plays almost perfect hockey and he was having such a great year um, and really drives that top line. So it's uh, arguably, you know, maybe now you call it the second best line in the league with the abs rolling. Um, but, uh, but yeah, him being out for four or five weeks, that, that's going to hurt. Yeah, I think it's also the kind of thing where we'll really get a sense of how valuable are Pasternak and Marchand now that Bergeron is out. Like maybe we're going to see a stretch where they're well below the point per game paces that they were on while Bergeron was healthy. So we'll have to wait and see there. I don't think JFK is going to be able to fill those shoes, but maybe he'll be a good add in some leagues that are pretty deep. Last year was William Carlson coming out of nowhere. Maybe this year it'll be Jacob Forsbacka. Okay, on New Jersey, we already talked about Vatnin coming back. Nico Heeshear's also back. Heeshear, by the way, back on the top line and top power play. If you recall, even before he got injured, Travis Zajac had bumped his year, but he's back. He's fine. And I don't really have a question for you about New Jersey. I'm just kind of just giving some news here. There's this Blake Coleman guy hasn't slowed down yet. We brought him up last week and said, no way he's going to keep this up. Kind of like that guy Luff on LA, like getting points, even though his deployment isn't great. Though actually Blake Coleman had better deployment last week, still bottom six. We saw 19 minutes and 19 seconds of ice time on Friday. A lot of it was shorthanded time. Is there something there with Blake Coleman with nine points in his last nine games? Or is this going to be the last time finally that we have to talk about him? Yeah, that's it. Okay, we're done with him. Uh, on the Detroit, I guess we need to start considering Andreas Athanasiu as maybe maybe not a must-own, but like a very tempting own. Right now, he's on a streak of 14 points in his last 15 games. He's been taking a ton of shots. He has many five-plus shot-on-goal games. Athanasiu's been playing with Nyquist and Nielsen uh, yesterday, and he was also on a power play unit that I guess looked like the second power play unit, but was getting a lot of power play time. Are you in on Athanasiu, or is this going to be another quick run that's followed by another stretch of no points? Yeah, I'm not buying too much. I mean, his shooting percentage isn't crazy high. Um, his IPP and his five on five shooting percentages are up, but he, you know the players he's playing with, they're 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 playing well in the moment. Sixty um, percent ozone start time, great. Um, getting put in a situation to succeed at even strength, but he's got a, a 1042 PDO, which just screams unsustainably good luck. So that's going to come down at some point here. Um, he's not on that top power play unit. I can't, you know, stress that enough that if you're not playing top power play or it's a split situation that you're just going to have a lower ceiling. Um, so, you know, he's been a guy that can put up 35 points, maybe sniff 40. I think this year he could put up 50 if he rode kind of the, the PDO wave all season long, but, uh, you know, it depends on how deep your league is, but yeah, you know, he's, he's catching while he's hot. I love it. Grab him while he's, while he's moving and shaking and then, uh, cut bait as soon as he's not. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I love the big shooters, right? Timo Meyer was someone who was shooting a lot and now he's scoring. And, you know, there was Arvidsson back in the day. Like sometimes you get a hint of what a player is capable of if they have a lot of ice time, if they're getting a lot of shots when they don't have a lot of ice time. And that might be what we're seeing from Athens But like you say, the deployment isn't there yet to like, you know, guarantee a spot for him on your roster. Like he's not a must own, but definitely got to ride him right now, especially if your league counts shots. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Max Domi point streak? He had 11 games in a row with a point, but he's now pointless in two. Brian said that he would slow down. He's two games now without a point. Obviously that's a very small sample of no point games, but are we getting, can we say that Brian was, well, no, we can't say that Brian was right, but what's your take overall on Max Domi? Like we used to think of him as like a solid 60, 65 point guy. No one was expecting him to be like a point per game at this point in the season. Uh, so yeah. What do you think? You think he's going to go back on another 11 game point streak or do you think maybe we're going to see a few more pointless games over the next few weeks? 
yeah, he was playing at like a hundred point pace. So, so Brian wasn't going out too far on a limb there to say he was going to slow down. Um, he, he, it was coming and it, it has, but you know, it's easy to forget that he had a really nice end of the season with Arizona last year too. So going back to last year, he's got 44 points in his last 45 games. That's a nice sample size as a point per game guy. Um, I didn't expect Montreal to be as good as they've been. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick with that and assume that they're going to slide a little bit more, maybe not score as many goals, but um, he's not going to convert at 20% of his shots. He's not that kind of goal scorer. Uh, so that's going to come down. Um, but he is getting prime ice. He had a good pedigree when he was playing in London in junior. You know, he's a guy who could put up some points. He played with good players, um, but they still produced. Um, you know, I, I think that realistically, he's banked enough points now that he could go off for, you know, 65-point pace the rest of the way and, and have a really nice 70-point season. Um, I'm going to hedge my bet a little bit and say he plays more at like a 60-point pace the rest of the way. Um, and that'll land him, yeah, I don't know what the math is there, but yeah, in the low 60s, kind of maybe high 60s, mid 60s, right around there, um, if he stays healthy. So that's that's valuable. Um, you probably banked the, the point of game or PPG plus that you're going to see from him for the rest of the year, uh, but maybe I'm just a little bit of a pessimist. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we haven't seen it from him before, and maybe it would have been good to sell high before. Maybe you still can, or maybe he'll go. Like, Montreal is good, and he's playing with Jonathan Drouin, who's also been good. There were some really beautiful Jonathan Drouin highlights from the last game that I really enjoyed. So, yeah, this team, like, they got a lot of offensive talent there, and Max Domi's a big part of it. But, yeah, this streak had to come to an end at some point. Another guy streaking right now is Brandon Saad. He's been playing with Taves and Kane, which is a great spot to be, and he's been doing great. Seven points in his last eight games. I feel like, especially with Chicago playing four games next week, you got to grab Brandon Saad and I know Brian's going to say that I've been telling him that he doesn't need to worry about Brandon Saad because he's not that great but in this spot yeah you want him right as long as he stays who knows how long he stays there but but while he's there you got to have him on your team yep ride him while he's hot okay this is a guy that I'm sure a lot of people want to get your thoughts on Thomas Shabbat Jesus everyone's calling you Cameron Jesus Robinson with your hair but like this guy Thomas Shabbat is a contender for that title maybe not the Cam Robinson part but okay what am I even talking about right now it's a little late all right 27 points in 23 games did you see this coming at all from him like this is insane well, no, it definitely didn't see this coming from him, um, just because I expected Ottawa to be dreadful, um, and they are, but they're scoring a lot of goals, which is great. Um, so, you know, he's mostly real. He, he's a highly, highly touted prospect, lots of offense coming out of the queue, you know, tremendous player for uh, Canada at the World Juniors for a couple of years. Like, he's a lot of fun to watch. And he played pretty well last year, too, um, getting limited deployment. He put up some points, and, and he's flashed that upside. But, you know, it's hard to predict anything like this. Um, I, I don't have it right in front of me here, but he, I think he's been pointless in five of the 23 games. And so he's popped 26 or 27 points in the other 18 contests. Like, that's insane for a defenseman. Um, so it's going to slow down. Like, that is coming. Uh, but he's he's one of these guys. He's another one who's banking up points that, you know, if he stays healthy, 55, 60 points, uh, that's that's a reasonable end result for him. And that's going to be just huge for a kid who's 21. So um, I love Thomas Shabbat. I hate Ottawa. So it's, it's I'm very conflicted in that regard. I think that, you know, it, it, can they continue to play this kind of wheels out, just just going for it and, and let the goals in on one end and go fire them down the net the other side? It's, it's not a sustainable way to play too long, especially if the coach wants to keep his job. But if somebody offered me Brent Burns for, for Thomas Shabbat right now, like in a, in a one year, I'm doing it. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. I, hell, I might even do it in a keeper league if it means I'm going to win a championship. So um, he, he's one of these guys that, you know, you, obviously this is going to slow down, um, but uh, I, I think he can still play at a 50-point pace the rest of the year. 
Yeah, like it's hard to imagine he could keep this up, but yeah, he's clearly a gem, and in a dynasty league, especially, he should be good for a long time. I think. What do you think, by the way, about this Drake Batherson guy who's been playing on the top line with Duchesne? Five points in five games since he got called up, though nothing in his last two games. Is he a prospect that people should be watching out for? Yeah, a bit of a late bloomer. Um, had a really nice junior career in the queue. Played for Team Canada last year and like elevated up the lineup. Energy guy. Uh, got good skills. Uh, <clears throat> stepped into pro hockey this year and, and, and was lights out in the American League too. So above a point of game down there, got the call. You know, like you said, he's, he's pointless in two, but he started out with five and three. Um, getting to see a lot of time with Matt Duchesne and Matt Duchesne's got a lot of reasons to have a big year this year and he's off to a good start. So he's a UFA and and if he's getting if he's getting time next to Duchesne in all situations, then yeah, sign me up for sure. Um, I've, I've been a little more reserved on him in my assessment in the past that I liked him. I liked the way he plays the game, but I didn't see... 65 70 point upside but you know the more he does it in pro the more i'm starting to be a believer yeah and of course you know we'll see how long he even gets to hold the spot we're talking about drake batherson but ottawa plays i think monday tuesday next week so he could be a good stream if you're listening to this monday morning grab him for a couple games see how he does after that all right i, I gotta let you go and i want to get to the canucks so really quickly i'll just throw out here uh, matt dumba is on a six game point streak pacing for 61 points on the season after hitting 50 last year a lot of us were talking about like do you think that dumba could hit 50 again now i think the question is can he hit 60 so that's one thing that people should be thinking about and then another thing that i i definitely want to get your thoughts on is uh, was brian wrong about tom wilson last week like this guy's killing it at this point like he's on the top line right now with Ovi and backstrom nine points in seven games obviously there's some injuries so tom wilson won't stay on that top power play forever but he's averaging like over 20 minutes a game also so it's not like he's just a banger that's playing on the top line but not an important part of the team big minutes getting points on a good line i feel like maybe his playoffs last year may have been for real like that i was saying that last week uh brian was saying this guy only had 35 points last week forget about him so are you team elon or team brian about tom wilson right now i'm i'm on team elon um and if it was me i'd be keeping him on that top power play when everyone's healthy too like well i guess maybe not over tj but but i'd be finding a way to get him out there because he brings a unique set of skills um that obviously meshes well with kuznetsov and and, uh ovechkin on that top line um i i was doing personalized rankings for people this summer and in multi-cat leagues like he was up there because i you could see that this is this is a guy who could put up 50 points and just fill all the other categories, just stuff them right up for you. So um, in a points-only league, I, I don't think he's going to be keeping up over a point per game, obviously, but I think he can run hot and he can, he can get, you know, run at a 70, 75-point pace for stretches or even above like he's doing right now. Um, and then at the end of the day, you know, he's, he's probably going to be a 50-point guy, 55-point guy even. And if you got multi-cats, like, yeah, sign me up. I like Tom Wilson. I hate what he does on the ice sometimes when he makes bonehead moves, but um, when he's not, he's an effective player. Brian's correcting me here in the chat room saying I misrepresented his take last week he said add him while he's on the top obviously but you know I I was more referencing Brian your take from like the summer and going into the year when I was saying oh it's looking like that you said that you don't want to put much stock into his playoff performance and you're saying right now in the chat room that he could hope to be Troy Brower so I still think that there's a big difference between what you think about Tom Wilson what I think about him and clearly Cam is on my side and I got the prospect expert the editor of Dauber Hockey Dauber Prospects but you're, you're pretty good too, Brian. Okay, uh, let's get to the Vancouver Canucks that everyone's been waiting for because you are the expert on the Canucks. Uh, so Edler returned yesterday. He had a quiet game, one shot, no hits, no blocks, but got to imagine that he'll get back to his amazing multi-category godliness very soon. Also, Brock Besser should be back soon. So it'll be very fun to see the Canucks at full strength again. 
because then we get to see once again, hopefully Elias Pedersen going off because he had been to start the year like everything you promised. He had a goal and assist yesterday. So now he's up to 21 points in 20 games. You were like so high on him and you were totally right. I'm sure you're not the only one, but to me, like you're like with Gensel, right? Like I feel like Cam and Elias Pedersen have been synonymous in my head for a while. So where do you think Pedersen lands for the rest of the season? Like he was a bit cold. He only had two points in eight games before yesterday's feast on the LA Kings. Can we just blame that on the injuries? Like now, like I said, with Edler, and Besser both coming back. Got to imagine good times are ahead for Elias Pedersen. Can he stay a point-per-game guy for the rest of the season? I know he's great long I don't even want to hear you talk about how amazing he'll be in Dynasty Leagues for years to come because I know you think he's like one of the top guys, but you just listed him actually at the top of the show in like your top five when we were talking about where Liney slots in. But for the rest of this year, is he going to stay at a point-per-game? Uh, yeah, I think he's going to slip a little bit below it when it all, when it's all said and done. Um, you're going to have to give him a little bit of leeway for a few reasons. So he misses Brock Besser. Everyone in Vancouver does. Um, so he's been, a lot of his plays have died on sticks of Louis Erickson and and guys like that. So, um, him and Nikolai Goldobin have some nice chemistry. They're buddies off the ice. They sit together, they room together. They're, they're having some fun. Um, but, uh, but Pedersen's playing on a bad team and they're injured and they've played a ton of road games. I think they've played like 17 or something like that on the road already this year, which is crazy. Um, and so, you know, there's going to be some tough nights for him and some tough stretches. But uh, as someone who's watching, you know, most of their games there is that even when he's not putting up points, he's doing just ridiculous things, things that, you know, normal superstars aren't doing, aren't thinking about, or it's just, you know, there might be one, there might be five in a night um, where he's doing things that just are out of this world. So I think he probably lands somewhere in that, you know, low seventies, maybe, maybe pushes 75, 76 at, at the end of the season. If, if he, if he stays healthy, but um, I guess he's missed a few with the concussion. So maybe drop that down to 70, 71. Um, he, he's elite. And, uh, and once Besser gets back and if he's healthy, those two are going to make some magic. So uh, Besser hasn't been healthy all season and they were still doing some pretty exciting things together. So um, yeah, you, we all know it. I said it last Christmas when I was on with you guys that you asked me if I wanted Besser or, or Pedersen. And that was right at the, the peak of Brock Besser scoring like a goal a game. And I, I said Elias Pedersen right then too. So I'm sticking with that. Um, Edler, we mentioned there, uh, he'll, he's back and he'll be on that top unit. They've missed him greatly on that unit. Again, it misses Brock Besser and apparently he should be back, uh, this week. Um, last guy up there is Nikolai Goldobin. And so I, I said that him and Pedersen, they're having a lot of fun. Um, they're chumming around. Goldobin was one of these guys that, you know, he had the high pedigree. He was a first round pick. He got dealt to Vancouver and it looked like a good trade for Yannick Hansen. But it, it, this year, no one had a kind of a bigger spotlight on him than, than Goldobin. Is that, was he going to prove that he could be an everyday NHL player in a top six, or was he going to be one of these guys that ends up in Europe? Um, and so far he's been, he's been really, really strong. So he had some unsustainably bad luck early in the season. His on-ice shooting percentage, his personal shooting percentage was way, way down. Um, and so he had like one goal and, and a few points, um, but, uh, but he was getting the chances and now things are starting to go his way. You know, he's got 12 points in his last 12 games. Uh, he's loving life with Pedersen. He's on the second power play unit. So again, you know, drop your expectations cause he's not on that top unit, but, um, the Canucks are, they're going to be a bad team this year. They're showing it right now. They've lost eight of nine. Um, they're, they're going to bottom out for a bit, but they're going to score some goals when, when Besser's back and he's healthy. And then next year you're going to be adding Quinn Hughes and whoever, you know, maybe they get lucky and they draft top five and they inject another, you know, really dynamic player in the next one or two years too. So, uh, they're a team that you want to get a piece of in long-term in dynasty. And this year that, yeah, you, you basically, you want Pedersen or Besser and, and you got to mute your expectations for what they're going to be in future years.
Okay, wow. So great roundup there. Goldobit is so interesting. He's still only 5% owned in Yahoo. And like you say, like 12 points his last 12 games or something. Like he's basically been on fire. You say that he's been on the second power play. He's actually lately, he's been on the top power play, right? It's been Goldobin, Gagne, Horvat, Pedersen, and Alex Edler. I guess, are you more saying that Goldobin's going to be the one who gets bumped when Besser comes back? Yeah, he's probably going to be the one that, that he's he's played primarily on that second unit this year. Um, obviously, you like him when he's on that top unit, but um, I just love that he's he's basically locked with Pedersen this year. Like they they like each other, they they have good chemistry. Uh, Goldobin is is great with his his, his uh, shot assists, so he, he sets guys up for shots all the time, um, which is going to be great if they especially if they put Besser back on that line. Um, full time. Uh so so yeah, I like Goldobin. He's actually the guy I picked up when I dropped Clef Bomb. So uh yeah. you know and and I'm not sliding him into my lineup either as a as a hot streak as I probably should. Um I'm just picking him up just just to see what happens. Just, he's one of these guys that he, he's he's rolling hot and when you put a player that has chemistry with a with an all world talent, um I like to get a piece of that. You know what, Cam? High five to you, because I also added Goldobin this morning in one of my leagues, so we could ride him together. Let me know if you're considering dropping him, and then I'll do the same. Let's do this in tandem, okay? Uh, but great. also high five to you, because it's been such an amazing show. You, like, slotted in, and it's like you've been doing this show with me for years. I, like, really appreciate it. We were in a bind, and you came through in a huge way. This has been such an amazing show. I'm sure everyone who's listening has really enjoyed it. And obviously, tweet at us, at Keeping Carlson. Let us know what you thought. Also, Cam, people can follow you on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Robinson, I believe. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely want to be following Cam. He's a gold mine of information. And in fact, if you want more Cam Robinson, he's got a Patreon where he's got his own Facebook group just well, mainly for dynasty questions. I'm sure Cam will answer any question you have. Cam, do you want to pump that up quickly? Yeah, for sure. So it's it's just a, a spot where people, you know, they can help kind of contribute to my scouting and my fancy life and, and keep me away from my wife and kid for a little bit longer. They'll love that. But at least if I got a little dough coming in. But uh, yeah, it's a great group of guys. A lot of them are, are King Carlson fellows and guys off of Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, lots of smart people to bounce ideas off of. We do focus on young guys. I give um, kind of sneak peeks at my real draft rankings. I offer, you know, first crack at, at Q and A's for mailbags on Dauber prospects, stuff like that. So you kind of get a lot of different extra goodies. And uh, I even got a category where you can harass me on private message, get access to my brain 24 hours a day sort of thing. So uh, yeah, check that out. It's um, you can find it on my, my Twitter page, but it's uh, crazy Joe Davola scouting on Patreon. Yeah. And, or you could just, like you're saying, like look for hockey underscore Robinson or just search cam Robinson on Twitter. You'll find him and then you'll get the link to that Patreon. And so yeah, throw some money at cam if you can. And if you've got even more money, you can also throw it at us for our Patreon, keepingcarlson.com slash Patreon. But let's let cam have the spotlight today. So with that, let's cue the outro music. Normally I would throw to Brian to read us the credits, but he is not here. So, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, what did I use? What did you use? I used cam. I looked up a bunch of stuff. I used Dauber hockey a lot and I used cam to answer all the great questions how about we leave it at that thanks again cam so much and i'll be back with you next week for another episode bye see ya